1: to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number one seventy one, and this week I am very pleased to be joined by a first time guest, uh, a Voices of Wrestling contributor. Hello, John Hernandez. John and John here.
2: Couple Johns. (laughs) Couple Johns.
1: Um, So I guess I always like to ask new guests, um, you know, where they got started with wrestling, and specifically, I guess, with New Japan slash uh, Japanese wrestling. So. Where'd you get, where'd you jump in here?
2: So um, I was raised, I'm I'm like, I'm 33. So I'm raised in a Hulk Hogan household. And when he goes to WCW, he brings a, he brings a young John Hernandez with him. And I'm slowly exposed to like Japanese wrestlers through WCW. But like, I remember stuff like Liger as a kid and not really making the connection to like Japan through people like Liger, just being like that guy in the mask is cool. But what really starts to get me is where i I really start to explore it is in the video games like i don't remember if it was like no mercy or smackdown if you went to make or edit characters there was moves they didn't use and there was like the burning hammer and like the tiger driver 91 where people are getting dropped right on their neck and you know you look around the internet and there's like in like the early 2000s late 90s and there's already like gatekeepers being like i bet the rock wouldn't take a tiger Drive for 91
1: <laughs> <laughs> i bet he so wouldn't like, actually I, get, I don't think they're really wrong about that one
2: yeah i'm certain they would <laughs> um so you know it's like this fascinating thing i'm looking into and i'm like grabbing pwi in the supermarket uh well, so wait so
1: we're the exact same we're almost the same age and did we get into this at the exact same time because well, early i drop i drop out
2: for a while okay i don't follow so like i'm i'm very aware of like the four pillars and like as much as I could find on the internet, but I drop out for a while. I I was like touring a lot. I was in a touring band and you meet a lot of people at like pop punk shows who are always talking about wrestling. So I always kind of knew what was going on, but I don't start following again regularly until like, what's the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania? Is it 30?
1: I get, yeah, 30. It should be
2: and then like a year or two after that um just from you know the Kenny matches getting hype that's my dirty secret the Kenny matches brought me <laughs> brought me into like avidly okay like, so I you're
1: would... so you're a Wrestle Kingdom 11 guy i guess 11 oh, right it was 2017
2: yeah yeah i like before i knew like 2016 2015 i kind of knew what was going on but 2017 16 i start like following avidly like i do now and uh
1: Yeah, so it's like we always talk about, we talked about this last week, the the jump in points, and you're kind of like another 11 guy, so. uh, Yeah. But yeah, I was, uh, you know, that's that's cool. I I mean, pretty much, I guess we started getting into it at the same time. The difference is, I guess I was watching a lot of, like, the 2000 stuff, which you probably haven't seen.
2: Yeah, like, there's a stretch where, like, I, I know about, I kind of begin to know about Noah because people are showing me, like, Ring of Honor DVDs in, like, the mid-2000s. But to me back then, like, Ring of Honor DVDs were, like, it didn't feel like following wrestling. It felt like I was following, like, these weird DVDs that some guys picked up sometimes. But that's how I find out about, like, Kenta and Marufuji and stuff like that. All right.
1: Uh, so we're here today to talk about the G1 Climax Night 5 and the All Japan Champion Carnival, I believe also Night 5. Yeah, Night 5. Uh, In the wrap up the Champion Carnival block And boy will that be A thing we'll be doing (laughs) I mean I don't know what else to say about it I have a lot of things to say about that Champion Carnival Um Not a lot of them positive honestly But uh But yeah so we'll be getting into that Um of course if you are not a Patreon subscriber You've missed a ton of audio this past week from us Um We had shows on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday Over on the Patreon it's just been a, you know, basically what we're doing this year, and I talked about it already last week and the last couple weeks, um, versus previous years, it just lets us not have to do these giant catch-up shows every week, which I like a lot. I prefer doing only, you know, you know like two to three shows per week uh, on the free episodes versus having to do, like, I don't know. There, there were weeks where we did, like, six of them uh, in, the, in previous years during the G1, and obviously that was just for the G1. It would be even harder with the G1... And the Champion Carnival and the N1 going out at the same time. But yeah, this past week on the Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash uh, we did the All Japan Champion Carnival Night 4 on Monday. We did Noah N1 Victory Night 3 on Tuesday. Uh, we did a Patreon-exclusive full episode with, uh, you know, longtime guest Thomas Fishback on Wednesday. That covered G1 Night 3 and the n1 doubleheader at cork which i'm calling nights four and five some people call night four uh, afternoon evening whatever it doesn't matter three shows is the important thing and thursday we did g1 night four which is a show that i loved that uh you know other people hated <laughs> so you know if you want to hear me explain why i love that show uh that's on the patreon uh she's a ton of audio on all these tournaments we'll have more coming up this week um you know, it's only $5 to get access to all of it. But yeah, I mean, we were originally going to talk the Noah N1 Night 6 on this show, uh, but it, fortunately it did not make air in time. It looks like it's now, it didn't air anywhere, like it didn't air on a Beamer or anything. It's going to go up on VOD, on Wrestle Universe. Uh, it says 9.29 at 5 a.m. Japan time, which is very random. But if it does go up then I hope it does, that means we can do it Monday evening on the Patreon, or tomorrow evening uh, from when I'm recording this, so, you know, Noah N1 Victory Night 6 from Niigata, the second to last, uh, block night, that'll be tomorrow on the Patreon, assuming it goes up when they, when they say it is on Universe, uh, Tuesday we'll have G1 Night 6 from Korokan, Wednesday we'll have G1 Night 7 from Korokan, so all exclusive to the Patreon, so, you know, all really, uh, you know, fun stuff that I'm excited to cover, uh, here today we'll be covering g1 night five like i said and champion carnival night five but if you want all our tournament audio all sorts of stuff and you know, plus everything else you've ever done on the patreon in the last four months all sorts of evergreen audio on past japanese wrestling uh you just go to patreon.com slash wrestling again patreon.com slash wrestling it's only five dollars per month the link is also in the episode description so can't miss it but uh i hope you'll join us because we have so much stuff coming up know even through next month the champion carnival finals will be exclusively on the patreon as well so if you want to hear us wrap up the champion carnival that will be on the patreon all right so with the plug out of the way let's start with the g1 here uh this was night five from the g1 uh from kobe world hall the g1 the a block once again um overall i would call this a good show bordering on very good i'm not at like fucking blow away best night the g1 destroys every other night like i know a lot of people are so you know I'm, it'll be interesting i guess to go through the uh different matches and like why i might not be as high on this show as some other people um, yeah i
2: saw your uh i saw your tweet and i kind of wish I, I saw it right before we started where, uh <laughs> you said the other that night four was better and i was like i wish i could have just found that out on the pod
1: oh <laughs> uh, because you yeah i guess you don't agree
2: Well, um, I probably don't disagree as much as you think I
1: do. Okay. I mean, I just love that naito Zack match so much. That's, you know, I went four and a half stars on that. It was better than any match on Night 5. So it starts there. I love Yoshihashi and Evil. Um, You know, you can hear me break this all down on the Patreon, like I said. But yeah, Yoshihashi, Evil, I went four stars on. Sonata, Goto, I went three and three quarters um I even liked Gianno Tanahashi which I know some a lot of people hated. And I the, did
2: for for a Yano match, I thought that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, that uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh
1: the only thing I didn't like on the show that much was uh Kenta and Juice, which I only went three stars on. But
2: Yeah, I didn't even hate that match. I thought Night Four was really good. Yeah, I thought and it was I, great I too. I mean,
1: mode. look, I'm not people think I'm subtweeting him. I'm I'm not. I'm like Joe Lanza hated <laughs> night four. And that's <laughs> fine. That yeah, and it's like I look, I'm Joe and I are allowed to disagree. I mean, I think part of the reason why they have me on this fucking network is that I give some different takes than uh, you know the, the main people, and that's you know, I mean, we Joe and I just have sometimes have very different tastes in wrestling, and that's you know, we like some very different wrestlers and dislike some other wrestlers, and that's fine. I mean, if we just agreed all the time, then what would be the point of the show? It'd be like, "Rase right. obakaze." The same takes you could hear all the voices of wrestling flagship. It's like it's like there'd be no point. Yeah. So uh, you know, I mean, people always think like we have some kind of fucking beef or something because we have like that guy who replied is not the first person to do that. I'm just like I don't have any problem with Joe. We just have you know like Joe and I get along great. We just have different wrestling opinions. It's not that yeah. big a deal.
2: I'm in a Slack where I watch <laughs> you and Joe interact. But sometimes when I hear uh, when I hear either of you guys say like you know some people say. I'm like, oh, they're talking about the other one. <laughs> <laughs> like they're definitely John's talking about Joe. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, I mean it's fine. You know, different opinions are make the world go round. But yeah, so we'll get into this card here. Uh, it opened up with Yotasuji uh beating beating or oh no losing to Gabriel Kidd in seven forty with a double arm suplex. Um, this was, like, you know, the the usual good Young Lion match. I never feel like I have a ton to say about these, but it doesn't mean I don't enjoy them. Uh, you know, it started out with the usual, like, good Young Lion mat wrestling, but it got, like, progressively more hard-hitting. Uh, you know, especially after Kid got the ropes after the half-bossing crap from Suji. Um, I thought this was an enjoyable opener. I would go, like, three and a quarter, up there at the best Young Lion matches of the tour so far. These two have great chemistry, too, Suji and Kid.
2: Yeah, I've, I've skipped a lot of, um a lot of young lion matches or just been like making coffee while they're on uh, and I definitely have missed a lot of Gabriel Kidd and nothing he's done has really resonated with me in his young lion work at least but uh my my the only note I have for this match is uh wait does Gabriel Kidd rule now
1: yeah he's pretty he's pretty good he's pretty <laughs> yeah good.
2: I thought he was awesome in this match I already you know yeah. I've been paying attention to suji but uh, I've, I also...
1: I've liked kid for a while though so I, I, I that's not a new take for me I think he's I think he's just uh I don't know he, he he uh, it, British wrestlers need to come to New Japan apparently because they almost all improve there. There's, there might be one notable exception, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like Zach and Zach and Kid both just look so much more be- so much better New Japan than they have elsewhere. Not that I yeah. saw a lot of Kid before at New Japan actually, but I think I had seen him once or twice and he never impressed me. So
2: yeah, I mean Gabriel Kid's always been. Just like a like I couldn't tell you anything that happened in a match as soon as the final bell rang, but I thought this was great, and I definitely never seen Kid win a match uh, as a young lion. and that big double arm suplex is like a great young lion finisher. I thought that was killer. Yeah, um, I'd probably go like, I don't know, like two and three quarters, three. I don't know, okay. something something kind to a young lion match.
1: I went three and a quarter, so <laughs> I, I, I liked it quite a bit, I guess. Uh, the next match, Taichi defeats Yujiro Takahashi in 11:03 with the Taichi-style Gato Clutch. Uh, I like that. The, it's called officially like a Chi style oh. Gato Clutch. Uh, that moves Taichi to 3-0. He's going undefeated, folks. Here we go. He's a third of the way there. Uh, and meanwhile, Yujiro, poor Yujiro, falls to 0-3. I actually have picked Yujiro on this match. I thought if anyone was, if he's going to upset anyone this tournament, I thought, like, Taichi would be a great candidate. But, like, now Taichi just beat him. <laughs> so, you mm-hmm. know. um it was very nice of Yujiro to wait until tai Chi was done singing to attack him with his pimp stick. Like, he seriously just stood there forever. And I kept thinking, like, is he going to, you know, he's a heel. Is he going to attack this man or something? He stood there and stood there and stood there. And the moment tai Chi waved off the music, he attacked. It's like, he's a polite heel. A very
2: polite heel. And I remember, <laughs> like, while the entrance was wrapping up, I was like, this is a particularly inspired entrance from tai Chi. I was <laughs> It's great it really engine. got me on that one. And then Yujiro. Then
1: like, the people who, I don't I feel like I repeat the same points about Tai Chi every week, so it's not really much of a point in saying it again. But, like, the people who think, like, oh, Tai Chi's a big carter. Oh, Tai Chi's not, not a star. I'm like, I, it's one of these things where I'm just like, what are you watching? I don't really understand yeah. what you're watching at this point. Uh, so he takes a walk after Yujiro beats him up, but it's trying to be a trick. Because he once again grabbed the timekeeper's ring bell and attacked Yujiro with it uh, as he came to get him. So Turnabout is fair play there, I guess. Uh Taichi was like choking Yujiro back in the ring, hit him with a hard soccer ball cap a uh, hard soccer ball kick, I'm sorry. Uh, after initially looking like uh Taichi would be the bay face in the match. I guess now we are supposed to feel bad for the Tokyo Pimp instead, which I thought was kinda of funny, like Yujiro. I mean it definitely makes more sense for Yujiro to be the underdog bay face in the match. At this point. Yet, I did
2: feel like Tai Chi gave him a ton though. Like he I felt like during the match I felt like Yujiro was gonna win.
1: Uh so Tai Chi basically what happened, he, he mentioned Naito when taunting Yujiro. I don't know exactly what he said. I didn't catch exactly what he said. Maybe it was something like Naito's a double champ and you're nothing or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it really pissed Yujiro off. Uh, and it started like firing him up for a big comeback. Uh, and Yujiro's comeback was pretty awesome. I mean, I thought he did. He looked as good as he has in this tournament so far. Uh, you know, Chi finally put a stop to it with like a nice high kick in the corner. Uh, Yujiro started biting Taichi, and the crowd applauded. Just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, they also applauded Chi raking his eyes to get out of it too. So big, big supporters of a uh, heel tactics, I guess. And then the two of them just started fucking trading bombs on each other. Like Yujiro did this awesome Olympic slam. Taichi comes back with this awesome, uh, dangerous backdrop suplex. Uh, he gets the Axe Bomber for a close two count. Uh, Taichi pulled off the pants uh, just for the 10-minute call. Yujiro caught his super kick and lifted him right up into the Miami shine. That ruled. Uh, and got a close 2.9 count. And This is where I just wrote this match rules. Uh, Yujiro goes for the Pimp Juice DET. Taichi pushes the ref, hits a low blow on Yujiro, and rolls him up with the Gato Clutch for the pin. I really like that finish. It's like Taichi took Yujiro a little too lightly... After he just beat... Uh, oh god. if He just beat Suzuki in the last match. Um, you know, was hanging with... And Yujiro was like hanging with him really well. And he just said... Taichi decided to say fuck this. And just decided to take the cheap way out and get the pin. Because he's still a heel after all. Um, I'm going three and a half on this. I know people are going to say I'm biased because I love Taichi. But I just thought this match was a lot of fun. thought it was Yujiro's best match of the tournament so far. And Yujiro... Okay... He continues his streak because I'm not. I mean, this match blew away the the uh, tight, the Yujiro Okada match, and I don't even really. I'm not saying that in like a way that's even entirely Okada's fault or like you know the weird style he's working right now because like Yujiro really does seem to try harder in these like very low matches with lower ranked guys than he tries when he's in there with top stars, like Okada. And I really don't understand it at this point. But it's been a pattern going back years. I mean, like, before... Remember when he had, like, some actually pretty great matches with Beretta, of all people? And it's like, he tried his hardest. I mean, Taichi's a lot higher now than Beretta was then. But, like, the lower on the card Yujiro is, it feels like the harder he fucking tries. It is really amazing. Yeah, sometimes when is in
2: there with a bigger name, I feel like even he's resigned to the fact he's supposed to be getting squashed. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and with someone like Tai Chi, I feel like he he feels like he's allowed to be aggressive. Yeah, and I, I also thought in this match, what was cool is how um, what kind of put them on even ground is that they were both just being assholes the whole time, like all the all the clawing and the the biting and like going for the eyes. Uh, I thought that was great, and like you said, uh, Udro's comeback was awesome. Um, when uh, there's one part where they're doing like a nasty forearm exchange, and he gets Tai Chi on his knees, and he's like taunting tai chi to get up and when tai chi gets up he just flattens him again and i was like who who is this is yujiro like where is this from uh and another thing i particularly enjoyed was when tai chi finally rips the pants off uh he he just gets beat up and catches the the kick in the balls for the win like one minute later it's it's actually almost exactly one minute from when he rips the pants off to when he just says I'm out of here and kicks him in the ball. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, yeah.
2: I gave it, um, I gave it three stars, but just looking at what I gave other matches in the tournament, it probably deserved a three and a quarter. I actually liked this a lot. I thought it was a great, you know, first block match.
1: I have to say, the people of Grapple, I'm convinced they did not actually watch the match and just saw the two names and put down two stars. out of the Grapple Raiders, so yeah, to, to continue <laughs> to be trashed over at Grapple. The next match. Uh, Minoru Suzuki defeats Jeff Cobb in 9:24. They got Style Power Driver. Uh, this one didn't really work for me that well. I mean, look, the best part of the match, I thought, was... They did some really nice mat wrestling at the start, which is the kind of thing Cobb doesn't get to do often enough, even though he has a legit amateur background. Um, we leave that a little too quick for my taste. I would have liked to see more of it. Um, you know, they fight... They fought to the floor, we got a count out tease, Cobb got back in at 16, and I did like that he didn't try to artificially draw it out to 20 when he was clearly back up and able to get in the ring. I hate when people do that. But, like, there was this egregiously bad shoulder block around the five minute mark from Cobb, where it appeared that Suzuki was knocked over by a gust of wind, because Cobb didn't actually seem to make any contact, or if he did, it was like only the lightest possible contact, and, you know, that continued on throughout the match, like Cobb um you know he cut he had a pretty weak drop kick hit this very weak clothesline after getting out of the gotch so i don't know what was up with his offense this match maybe he was just afraid of hurting this 52 year old man because he's so much larger but i thought it definitely showed in a lot of his moves in this match
2: yeah i uh i kind of felt the same way and i was excited for this because i've been i know people have generally been higher on Cobb this year than last year but i've been like real high on Cobb. i thought I'm the only one in the world, I think. But I thought, like, Shingo Cobb was a four-star match. Uh, I think maybe I just like Cobb a little more than some other people. Also, that gray in his beard really ups the uh, the ass-kicking factor for me. Uh, it looks like a badass now with that gray in his beard. But in this, uh, I really liked how it started. I like, like, that it begins with him, like, missing an ankle pick and then grinning at each other. And, uh, you know, that it plays into Cobb's background with the grappling in the beginning. But, yeah... yeah. Um, I, I really had higher hopes, and like you said, like, I thought a lot of the, a lot of Cobb's striking seemed off. They At one point, when they were going back and forth with elbows in this match, like, Suzuki's clobbering him, and it looked like he's, like, it looked like he wasn't, he was barely brushing uh, Suzuki's chin, uh, and then I thought... In, in last year's tournament, I thought Cobb was running out of gas a lot, and I was impressed with his first two matches this year. But this time, I thought he would kind of gas. When he was doing the, the gut wrench lifts, it just really felt like everything was going in super slow motion. And then, uh, I don't know. You know, this is also just like a general Suzuki complaint that might not be popular, but it always bugs me when he just grabs the sleeper for one quick second before he goes to the gotch.
1: Yeah, it's like, I, what does that even do? I don't even understand what he's yeah. doing, and
2: he does it twice in this match. And the second time, he does a cool thing where he like wrenches Cobb up from the ground when he does it. So at least that felt like he was, you know, doing something that might hurt. But uh, yeah, this didn't get me the way either of the either of them uh, prior matches did. I only went—I think I went three on this.
1: I went two and a half, so I liked it less than you. I mean, a very average match to me. Like, there's there's a one point two where Cobb, like, you know, he. So Cobb, I get, he does the two rolling gut wrenches Like you said, Suzuki gets out of his grasp Momentarily by going after the arm I like that a lot as a counter, that was really cool yep. But then Cobb, like hoists him back up Almost into a tombstone position But then he like keeps lifting him Into a power slam position And like runs him into the corner And then hits the front power slam Like the bulldog style power slam That spot just looks stupid to me because it's like you have the guy in a tombstone position. You could do a million moves from there that look way that would be way more devastating than a fucking power slam. Like like, why?
2: I love that. I don't okay. know, He did. Uh, I don't know. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, you could have even just dropped him in the power slam from right where you were standing, yeah. rather than run him into a soft pad in the corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just mean but, uh, like, just do a fucking tombstone or something, or just fucking drop him on his head. Why you just I don't continually? Know, I
2: feel like the crowd went off for that.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. I just didn't. I just thought it was kind of a stupid spot, but you know. Yeah. I get um. That. But yeah, so two and a half. I just didn't feel like they worked well together, especially with Cobb. Vim, like he had to hold back or something. So, you know. Um. It's gonna happen, you know. In a G1, you're gonna have guys that just don't really work well together. For but sure. yeah, I didn't mention that Suzuki's now two and one, and Cobb is now one and two, which is about where to expect them both to be. Uh, our next match: Kota Ibushi defeating Tomohiro Ishii in fifteen forty one with the Goe. Uh So Ibushi goes to two and one, and Ishii is zero and three, still winless. Uh, definitely uh, about the worst mar- worst start that G1 has in forever, I think. Um, that's why I always tell people who do these fucking 12 points for HGE. It's like, no, yeah. he gets eight or 10 every year. I mean, that's one... maybe this is the final year he doesn't even get eight. But yeah, if you look at... I remember when I did the preview, like, other than one year, I think, like, maybe his very first year, he's gotten either eight or 10 points every single year of the G1. So that's just where he ends up. Uh, but yeah, this was, you know, this was really awesome. And then also somehow mildly disappointing to me. Like, that just is the standard that these two have where, like, a four-and-a-quarter-star match is like, oh, that was a little disappointing. and <laughs> It's like, well, I mean, these two are fucking so awesome that, like, I don't know, just uh, the match of the night and a four-and-a-quarter-star match comes out feeling a little disappointing. It's just the burden of high standards, I guess. Um, I, the first thing I noted was it's kind of funny. They show Ishii posing with his Never Six fan title, in his pre-match graphics, since I don't think he's come out with that belt once so far in this tournament. Not once, no. Yeah, Yoshihashi's the only guy coming out with it every time. So I have to, ch-
2: if, if not for Yoshihashi being one of the belt holders and that being the big deal of it, I would never remember who's holding those belt. <laughs> it, it, so,
1: it is so funny. Um, I, could, I could usually remember when L.A.J. had them, but that's just because I'm a big L.A.J. fan. Otherwise, like, yeah, when, when L.A.J. doesn't have them, I, can never, I could never remember. It's like, a, okay, Makabe taguchi and yano sure i guess it's like whatever if you
2: put a gun to my head and ask me to name two of the last 10 teams who held that i just you got to pull the trigger man like
3: i, <laughs> I,
1: I, uh, I won't I waste your I, time i can do two 10. <laughs> like Makave, yano taguchi i just named one of them and then uh, i mean the that shingo evil bushi team right. that had to vacate them so there you go there's two there's two of the last, i think those are the last two actually
2: well you get to live
1: thank you good news yeah <laughs> uh so yes the early parts of the match exactly what you would expect uh both guys hitting each other very hard um ishii gets the edge keeps kicking at and increasingly pissed off looking ibushi while he's down uh ibushi and ishii they trade kicks and chops uh ibushi you know gets the better of that he like saggers ishii backward and you know now it's him kicking at ishii while he's down Both guys at one point just like start kicking and slapping each other while they're both on the mat, which is kind of just kind of funny. It's like I don't know, they just are so pissed at each other, they're still hitting on each other while they're both recovering. Um, You know, they stand back up, they keep trading slaps, and Ishii seems to eventually kind of win that, but then Coda just comes back with this big open hand uh, palm strike that puts Ishii down. Uh, That did look pretty awesome. Uh, We got the 10 minute call. Ishii fires back with his chops to the throat. He pushes Marty Asami down because he's fucking had it here. Uh, Hits this big lariat on Kota in the corner. But Ibushi no-sells it and comes out of the corner with a smirk on his face. He then punches Ishii right in the throat. Which is like, oh my god. Uh, Just an incredible spot there. And then he follows up with a high kick and the last ride powerbomb for a two count. Um, Ishii comes back with an enzagiri. He also catches Ibushi on, like, a standing Rana attempt and just drops him straight down with an impromptu powerbomb. That looked pretty cool. And then destroys Ibushi with a huge lariat for a two-count. Um, Ibushi hits, like, a very kind of weak-looking standing knee to Ishii that I was worried was the setup for the finish. But Ishii counters the going with this giant headbutt, this rising headbutt. That looked awesome.
2: That part, I actually... The, the knee looked kind of weird, but... My thing with the kamigoye is it needs such like you, you don't buy it unless the setup is tremendous, unless the other guy's dead. And he went into that attempt reversing out of a brainbuster, and I thought like I, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but part of me was like the way he set this up, where he twisted the arm, lifted his knee up, and got him in position for the kamigoye that fast. I was like, if the match ends right now, I'm totally fine with it, just for the way he set that up. Like yeah. he got somehow made an out of nowhere kamigoye happen.
1: Yeah, that but was pretty. Now I got reversed. Uh, Ishii went for the brainbuster. Ibushi like dropped down behind him. Went for another high kick, but Ishii hit a lariat on the leg to knock it away. That was awesome. Uh, but Ibushi immediately answered with a flipping back kick. Um, Ishii then like I don't know he, he grabbed Ibushi for a lariat out of or like maybe I took this note wrong, but it was something where like it, it could have looked a lot cleaner. Um, and then he went for the brainbuster again before Ibushi countered with a big front suplex. Um so it was a cool sequence except for the spot where Ishii Oh, so Ishii caught an Abushi Lariat. That's what he did, going for the Brain Buster, and it looked pretty awkward. So, you know, just like my description of it was. Um Abushi then went for the Bamaye. Ishii hit a counter lariat, which Abushi takes another gigantic flip bump for. Uh they trade more blows, like some more straight right hands. Uh Abushi has yet another high kick. There's like one more awkward spot in a Kamagoe counter where looks like one of, at least one of them lost track of what they were doing, but they immediately keep going into another Bama from Bushi for a two-count, uh, just as we get the 15-minute call. Uh, Ibushi goes for the Kamigoi again. Ishii blocks again, so Ibushi finally hits the big wind-up lariat that Ishii kept blocking, and then he finishes him with the V-trigger-style setup knee and the Kamigoi for the pin. Uh, this was, like I said, really awesome, as you'd expect, but for me it's quote-unquote only four-and-a-quarter stars. Uh, And like I said, these two, that probably qualifies as mildly disappointing. There were just too many little awkward spots, especially toward the finish, for me to go higher. But, like, the match built super well. The final payoff of Bushi finally hitting his big wind-up lariat to lead directly to the finish. That just very very good, you know, internal match structure there, building to a finish. So, uh, still an awesome match. Uh, Like I said, four and a quarter.
2: Yeah, during the, um, when we did the Secret Santa, like the, uh, the quarantine Secret Santa... I got the 2018 G1 match between these two and nothing could have hurt this match more than <laughs> me having just watched that match where I was like pulling my hair out and putting my feet through the wall like while I was watching it losing my mind. And this one, like, I thought it was cool. if They never left the ring. Um, like I, I guess, you know, with how far out of the ring that match went, uh, but as, as, in the beginning, it's funny. I was like, they're not going to have anywhere to go from this, uh, which I never say about wrestling matches. I love when they just blast me with moves. Um, and my notes actually say, like, opening Matrix fight sequence is a bit much. <laughs> but uh, they found somewhere to go because I thought, like, the closing sequence was great. I also – man, Ibushi's big thigh is very resonant for those thigh slaps because I thought – Ishii was gonna have brain damage. He got knee in the head so many times, and I've been watching people slap their thigh for knees for years now. But I was cringing the whole time. I was like, "This man is dead. Leave him be." Uh, and yeah, like you said, like the finish I thought was great. Um, the clothesline line where Ishii just perfectly like rolls back onto his feet in time for the bicycle knee. In my notes, I have V trigger and N parentheses. Don't call it a V trigger on the show
1: <laughs> Well, I, mean, I made the I made the connection immediately. Yeah, once you so.
2: said it, I was like, okay, green light. And then, yeah, the Kamigoi, I thought it was great. Um, Like same deal, four and a quarter. But the only reason that feels like a bummer is because I just watched the 2018
1: match like two months ago. Yeah, it's just you know it couldn't live up to that one, you know. But I mean, you know, they what are you going to do? They don't have a real crowd for one. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to live up to anything, I guess. Uh, The next match: Shingo Takagi defeating Will Osprey in 22:03 with the Last of the Dragon. Uh, that's Shingle's first win, so he's now 1-2. and two. Osprey drops to 2-1. Um, as I said last week, I'm not going to keep doing the Osprey spiel every week, so we're not going to do it here. Uh, if you're choosing not to watch his matches or rate them or whatever, I respect that decision, and I might even agree with you if I didn't have to do this show, but I do have to do the show, so you know, it should not be taken as a... Uh, you Know as a endorsement of Will Osprey as a person. Um, I will say this for Osprey: he's really leaning into be, into being as much of an annoying dickhead as possible, even just from like the opening bell. He just keeps taunting Shingo to the point where you just want the dragon to kill this shithead. Uh, so I don't know, you know, if, if that makes it more tolerable for people that I think he is turning heel and you know, you're not supposed to like him. I don't know if it does or if it, if it matters for a lot of people or not, but uh. It better be leading to an actual hero turn, because, like, he is an annoying shithead, and, like, I do not... It definitely does not make you want to cheer him. So, even even putting everything else aside, which I know is very difficult. But, uh... So, yeah, the sequence at the start... Sort of, like, very silly shit that, like, people who are not me probably love a lot, but, like, when, when Shingo, like, ducks the last kick and Will just sort of stops, it kind of makes no sense. It's just, like... Okay. <laughs> like, why did they just stop? You could have like... Oh, you, the big striking
2: exchange where they were dodging everything?
1: Yeah, because, like, at the very end where Will does that last kick and Shingo dodges he, and Will just stops, it's like, you're you're behind him and he has his back turned to you. Just fucking hit him. Like, why? When,
2: when Shingo, like, ran away into the corner and got away from it?
1: No, like, I felt like it ended with, with Will. Like, Shingo did eventually go to the corner, but, like... Will just stops after after Shingo ducks that last kick, even though he's right behind Shingo. Shingo is not looking at him at that moment, and Will had plenty of opportunity to do something else. So I don't oh, know. See,
2: that's, that's funny. I, I think I saw it a little different, because I was waiting for that sequence for them to, like, end with each of them, like, pausing in, like, a tacky pose. And uh, I like that Shingo was just like, fuck this, I'm out of here. It just, it, to <laughs> me, it looked like he was like, no, 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 I don't want to do this. I'm just like... okay. That's another
1: way to interpret it, I guess. Uh, Will then offered Shingo a handshake. Uh, Apparently he has not got the memo The handshakes are dead for a long time, probably. Uh, And Shingo answers with a... He says in English, why? And he points to the mat and says, this is G1. I thought it was a great little answer. It's like Shingo showing off his English. Uh, He knees him in the gut instead of taking his hand, which, you know, same. Um, You know, there's a chop exchange that is fine, but like Osprey... Just never looks convincing to me at all when he's trying to look like the big tough guy. Uh, Being in there with Shingo fucking Takagi, of all people, doesn't help either. Uh, But yeah, the middle portion of this match did not land with me at all. And it just felt like a bunch of moves with no real connecting story, which is honestly how a lot of Osprey matches feel to me. Like, he does moves, and, you know, moves happen. I get why people who love, you know, moves with a Z love his matches, but like... You know, I'm just not a moves with a Z person, especially at this point in my wrestling fandom. Um, but yeah, Shingo's comeback is finally where this match starts to really click with me. He survives the Ozcutter, hits the Maiden Japan, followed by a huge pumping bomber. Uh, both got, got good near falls. He went for the Last of the Dragon. Osprey escaped onto his shoulders, uh, Shingo just, like, drops him off, which I, I like that. Like, she goes, like, I'm not going to wait for you to do a move on me. Just get the fuck off my shoulders, you know? Because <laughs> Will hadn't done anything to him to, like, actually, you know, make him weak or whatever to, you know, want to hold him up there, I guess. Uh, Shingo, you know, like I said, just drops him, but Will hits a crooked super kick when he goes to run away again, which is one of the few times that crooked's kick looked actually pretty cool. Uh, hits a reverse Rana. Uh, Shingo counters a roaring elbow with a headbutt. That actually looked kind of goofy to me. Uh, and both of them went down. Uh, and then the closing stretch, you know, does have some really great action. Uh, you know, exchange where Osprey hits a big kick. Shingo stops him with a lariat against the ropes. Osprey hits him with an awesome standing Spanish fly. Uh, Shingo turns that pinfall attempt there right into a crucifix hole counter for a near fall. That I love that. That counter was really cool. And again, made sense because really, like, you know, Shingo had done almost all the, the big moves before that, so makes sense that he was still able to counter him there uh and osprey reverses back into his own near fall uh they both get back up and will runs him over with the huge lariat uh, i will say like people people have said osprey's working a more heavyweight style i did not see that at all in the first two matches this match might have been the first one where i feel like okay i can i can see the difference uh especially since he had a junior match with shingo before I does. totally
2: agree with that, but I didn't feel it until the very end of the match. Yeah. But at the very end of the match was the first time I was like, Will's working like a heavyweight, and I was bummed he hadn't done it either in the prior matches or for more of this match.
1: Yeah. Uh, we get the 20-minute call. Osprey tries the hidden blade. Oh, and I should have mentioned, like, the, that whole sequence, with the ally at the end, that was the best sequence of the entire match, by I think by a lot, actually. Yeah, I get that. Uh, we get the 20-minute call. Osprey tries the hidden blade. Shingo ducks it uh osprey comes back with a series of super kicks hits a big roaring elbow uh, he goes up top for the Ozcutter again Shingo recovers and stops him on the top rope he like larrys him off the top that looked awesome he then picks him up on his shoulders and heads up to the middle rope he hits the stay dream which is like that middle rope um you know almost like death valley driver ish thing but when the guy lands really on his head uh I don't. Has he ever done that in New Japan before? I don't remember ever him ever hitting the stage dream before. No. This. So no. he busted that out for the first time in Kobe, you know, the city where obviously Dragon Gate is based and where he's wrestled in this building so many times. That is awesome. I yeah, love that.
2: To me. Yeah.
1: yeah, but now what I didn't love was fucking Will Osprey kicking out at one. When well, this move looks like it could fucking kill a man. And he kicks out, and he's, Shingo is debuting it for the first time. And Mr. I-Can't-Fucking-Sell-For-It, apparently, kicks out at one. And then Shingo goes for another pumping bomber. Osprey immediately recovers and starts running super fast, too. You just got dropped on your fucking head from the middle rope, sir. Uh, and Shingo just kills him with another pumping bomber anyway. Um, yeah, just would have been nice for Osprey to sell that move that looked deadly that Shingo was doing for the first time ever in New Japan, but I guess I would be asking too much. Uh, and then Shingo then follows up with the last of the dragon for the pin pretty quickly after that. So I thought a lot of the end part of this match was spectacular. Will Nosa on the stage Dream, like, Annoy be As You could probably hear my voice uh, when I was ranting about it. But I just thought this had no story for a lot of the way. It was just a bunch of moves, especially in the middle when it honestly did lose my interest. Uh, nowhere near as good as the best of Super Junior final, in my opinion. And I was lower on that than a lot of people anyway. I went four and a half on that. Uh, but this one I went four flat on. Um, I'm sure many other people will be way higher than me. You know, I thought the closing stretch was spectacular, but like, other than the one, the, you know, without that state dream part, I'd probably be four and a quarter, but the state dream annoyed me enough to knock off a quarter star, so.
2: Yeah, I, um... There's a lot. I uh, I also was one of the lower people on the best of the Super Juniors match at four and three quarters. Mm. <laughs> I still thought I was one of the lowest people. Yeah, everybody,
1: everybody gave it five. I know.
2: Yeah, I thought it was like the second best. I match was in the, the building Super for
1: that Junior. too, and I still gave it four and a half. So.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, you know there's one thing I don't think you mentioned that I was losing my mind about one of the one of the wraparound kicks. Like Will's completely behind Shingo and doesn't seem to make any noise, and he goes for the wraparound kick and Shingo moves out of the way of it without looking, he, it misses him by, like, a centimeter. And I was like, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> I, like, I thought that was the coolest spot in the match. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's one stretch. Like, I'm, I am often guilty of liking matches, uh, move, moves with a Z matches. I like lots of stupid wrestling. Uh, but there were points. And I also think Will gets an unfair rap sometimes for being a moves guy. Um, I get why people say that. Uh, I've said this before. I think the the whole thing where will turns every match into a will match is a thing a lot of popular wrestlers are guilty of. but I did think there were points in this where maybe will took it a bit far uh like in i there's one stretch where he does like he does a coast to coast a bloody Sunday, a shooting star, and the flip liger bomb like with an under a minute I think and it's like is, is he has he been doing the bloody Sunday? Did I forget that is that? <laughs> Is that something
1: he recently added? I don't think so. I think he just decided to do a Bloody Sunday.
2: Man, that <laughs> guy. He's like a fire Which, which pro by character. the way, which Jay,
1: which Jay White does, because... Jay White does that Bloody Sunday variant because he's the new fucking leader of Bullet Club to call back yeah. to Finn Balor, and Will Ospreay's just like, I'm going to do a Bloody Sunday because I feel like it. It's like, what
0: the fuck, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a
2: pro edit where someone stuck a finisher in each of the O moves. Yeah, like, it's, it's nonstop. And also, um, I think you said this before. Like, I'm totally burnt on the Oscutter. cutter. Uh, it
1: sucks. It sucks. It's I mean, not. It's on the
2: outside on the rail. I think that still kicks ass. But no the, one buys it as a fall anymore. The problem
1: with the Oscutter cutter is like I I could tolerate it to a degree when it's a finisher because it ha- it has such a goofy and convoluted setup. And I think goofy and convoluted setup moves are far more tolerable when it's your real fucking finisher you're going to end a match with. But, like, when it's just another near-fall, when it's just a fucking signature move, it's just like, I I don't want to see you fucking go for this 5,000 times and, like, have to leap uh, into the middle rope and uh, perfectly extend your hands backwards and, you know, probably get countered the first couple times you try it, all just to lead to the guy kicking out anyway. It's just it just makes his matches way more convoluted than they need to be. Right. He does plenty of convoluted moves anyway, so it's like, you know.
2: And even the best Ozcutter has a little bit of the other guy diving right into it, which I'm still totally fine with if it's, well, mostly fine with it if it's your finisher. Uh, And also, like, he, in the, in
1: and he does. He, he does two versions of it too. He does that fucking top rope one, and that doesn't finish matches either. So why do you need two versions of a right. signature move? I don't understand. The top
2: rope one, he can like. I get it because he won. He beat like undefeated Shingo with the top rope one. I, in this match, I thought calling back to that was smart. Yeah, I think But he does it all the time. Yeah, he, he does it all the
1: time. Shingo. He does it all the time now, and it doesn't. Like, right. did, didn't didn't Ishi kick out of it?
2: Was that the top rope one? I think he kicked out of the top
1: rope one. I could be Jesus. wrong. Like that's supposed <laughs> to be
2: like your super finish now. Yeah. Like, or at least it seemed that way. And I thought it was cool that um you know, that he calls back to it at least. And uh, Shingo cutting it off was cool. Um I actually thought the kick out at one was kind of okay because part of me felt like they were trying to trick you with like Shingo getting a win back with a move off the well, the second rope. But you know, like a super move. Um it didn't Work, but I felt like that's what they were going for. And I didn't really uh, them up like a second later.
1: See, to me, if okay, if that's what they're going for, that should have been a 2.999 count, and it would have been really cool. And be like, oh, he actually survived this new move that Shingo busted out. Instead, yep. it's like, okay, I kick out at one, so I make this move that Shingo busted out for the first time in New Japan, look fucking stupid as hell, and then I'm running as fast as I can two seconds later, uh, you know, before Shingo does put him away. It's just, I don't know, it really annoyed me.
2: Yeah, I get that. You know what else I don't think you mentioned that was great is when he goes up to to Milano and he gets Milano to be like, you're a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> and then he runs right into a Death Valley driver.
1: Yeah, that was, that was, pretty, that was pretty funny.
2: Yeah, uh, but, you know, it seems like I'm just dumping on this match, and that's really just because it's, you know, it's more interesting to point out flaws in a match with Will and Shingo, but, like, at the end of the day, it's still, like, how bad could this match have been? I ended up going four on it because and i don't know maybe like i'm unfairly maybe it's like the last match maybe i'm unfairly comparing it to a prior match uh maybe i just set a bar too high but like and also like i said earlier when wills when they start wailing on each other at the end i was like why can't will just do a little more of this like why can't he play the heavyweight he's tweeting about himself being yeah um and that like it towards the end i was like this rules this rules this rules like that's what i wanted but uh i I still thought it was great i maybe i'm being unfair with the four like i I still think Will's a great wrestler and Shingo's one of the best in the world, but uh, I wanted I wanted this to, like, knock me on my ass just a little more.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, so the main event of the show here, Jay White defeating Kazuchika Okada uh, in 1848 at the Blade Runner. Jay goes to 3-0, and and Okada's now 1-2. Um, okay, so, like, this is a match... Which we're, we're, I'm going to go through it. I have a lot of a lot of things to say about this one. It's not a bad match. The first thing I will say, but it, I don't know where some of like the really high ratings I've seen are coming from for this, honestly. Um, so Jay comes out. He he continues to make fun of the crowd for not being able to chant. He actually grabs the mic and like mockingly tries to lead them in an Okada chant as Okada is making his entrance. Now I can't remember the last time a New Japan wrestler started talking over the mic. While someone's entrance team was playing, the other guy was coming out. So since that never happens, that was kind of jarring in a good way. Like it's just almost like what an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's, For it's, sure. I mean, that's been Jay's like, like I I, I praise him a ton. You know, uh, whatever show we talked about, night three. I think last week's free show. They're all blend together after a while. But yeah, I mean, Jay White has like hit another level. as like a real top star during this tournament? That that did not change in this match either. Even though I didn't love the actual match nearly as much as his other two matches so far, um, yeah. there was also like this funny moment where Jay and Gato did their big two sweet ritual in front of him, and Okada had this funny look on his face, like okay, like he didn't give a shit. I thought was kind of funny.
2: I also liked how when Okada was uh, you know standing on the turnpuggle doing the doing the pose for the crowd, Jay's just uh, Jay keeps like slinking up behind him like he's gonna attack him, and he doesn't end up doing it, but he just keeps acting like he's gonna hit him. Uh I thought that was funny too. I just think Jay's been such a great, you know, great asshole heel this yeah. whole time. And I think he's like really gotten like a even better grasp on it than he had before the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh so Jay starts off by stalling immediately. He starts mocking Okada as like Okada oh, uh, clap and stomp to make up for the lack of chant. Uh, he, like, at one point does it, almost, like, does the fucking Macarena or something. <laughs> Still doing <and> <laughs> under
2: his legs and stuff? Yeah, and it, like, so ends good. with uh,
1: up yours. It was so great. Uh, White, like, gets in the ring, you know, only to bail again right away, and Okada backs him up on the ropes. Uh, Okada. Okada be- begins an unfortunate trend for this match, where he goes after Gato for no reason, like an absolute moron. Uh, he backs him up into the corner. Inside the ring and like just stands there for way too long. It's probably only a few seconds, but it felt like an eternity. Just Okada standing there over gate, like with Gato in the corner doing nothing, uh, before Jade finally jumps from behind. Definitely yeah, it not le-
2: like Jade was late because why else? It, it did not feel happens. like Jade was
1: late. People have spent
2: the whole people have spent every J match trying to just hit Gato once and you have him wide open, like
1: murder him, get him. Yeah, it was really <laughs> weird. Like Jade did, maybe that was Jade's fault uh but yeah jay finally jumps from behind definitely not the best gato spot there uh so jay's heat segment here like brings me brings me back to more of memories of like jay's bad matches from prior years where like these really boring heat segments a big problem of it like i said i've talked about this a lot on the show but okada has always been a very weak seller for me and this match is no exception at all uh as the ice cream truck drives by i don't know if you can hear that
2: <laughs> I actually opened my my window to see if it was
1: on my end. <laughs> yeah. Um. So a so like I don't know like Okada, you know he's just he's a very unsympathetic character for me. That's number one, and this run does not change that because it's like, yeah, he's losing, and but like he's losing because he refuses to do the move. That we all know beats everybody in the company and has beaten everybody in the company for no adequately explain, explained reason. So it's like, how, how sympathetic can I feel for the guy? It's like, just do your fucking move, buddy. What are you, like, why am I supposed to feel bad that you're giving yourself a giant handicap and losing as a result? Um, and then he doesn't know how to do anything, even like his actual physical selling. But these big, like, open-mouthed, like, ah, like, screams of pain that look hokey as hell. It doesn't help you connect at all. So, you know, I blame a lot of this on Okada and not really Jay here for this Heat segment being so boring. Um, You know, Okada comes back with a series of running elbows and a DDT. Definitely not the most exciting comeback ever. Uh, Gato trips him up from the outside. He once again feels the need to chase Gato around ringside. Uh, This time, though, he does keep his eye on White, and he's, like, ready for him when he jumps, when White tries to jump from behind. And then he delivers maybe the worst double DDT I've ever seen awful
2: okay cool yep yep
1: (laughs) like the worst double ddt like i don't know what who messed up there on the timing or what but like that looks awful jay's head comes nowhere near the ground (laughs) it's nowhere near the ground it's like what the fuck uh okada puts on gato's hat that's kind of funny cute little spot but yeah the, the fucking double ddt just completely terrible um he tries to pick White up for a signature reverse neckbreaker back in the ring. His back is giving out from, you know, was taped up and White was working out earlier. Good psychology, but Okada once again makes it look very corny with his hokey, oh no, my back, yep. <laughs> type selling. Uh, both guys just collapse and do nothing, which is not the kind of spot that's already slow and boring match needed. Uh, Okada finally gets the reverse neckbreaker, goes down selling his back again uh this is like the exact inverse of the Shingo osprey match a clear story here that makes sense and is good but the actual action is like boring as hell and again not helped at all by Okada's pretty bad selling uh we get yet another gato up in the apron spot but it just leads to okada drop kicking white when he tries to charge in uh jay manages to come back with a deadlift german which looks cool uh gato on the outside calls for the rainmaker and Jay does the full, move, full pose before trying to end with the move. That would have been really funny and would have been awesome. But, uh, you know, it definitely played in the story, I guess you could say, of Okada right now. But Okada countered it anyway. He hits the tombstone. We get the 15-minute call. Okada locks in that goddamn stupid cobra clutch. Jay barely even sells it. That's probably the right decision. Because it's like, who, no one's losing this move except like Yujiro. So it's like, why should Jay sell? He's a big star. Uh, he quickly. You know, I can't.
2: I can't believe this, but I have this like specifically in my notes that. So this could just be me being a victim of reading too much about, reading all these takes about like what Okada's doing has been exhausting, but. Uh, I, when he goes for the Cobra Clutch the first time, the very first one, it seemed like, like this probably wasn't happening. It was probably just another crappy Cobra Clutch. But it seemed like he got like a tighter grip on it and had like. His, his hands connected more, and it seemed like he was wrenching it in more. Mm. And uh, it seemed like Jay was like deliberately. I have it here, like Jay's selling. If it seems more deliberate, is like a little note okay. I have in my notepad. Here. I, did,
1: I did not notice that at all. So I guess but we just honestly. I'm probably just looking
2: for anything with this cobra clutch because yeah. everyone made me feel like I'm missing something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so Jay scoots his way over the ropes quickly to force a break. Uh, we get a nice little counter sequence. It ends with White hitting that awesome standing uranage he does. That's like spinning standing uranage. And this is where the match did get good, finally. So this part was good. Uh, you know, that whole counter sequence was good. Uh, but then the next reversal sequence is honestly kind of awkward, because Okada fights his way out of the Plex, He lifts White into a tombstone. White like turns into his own tombstone, but then like very awkwardly drops him down into the blade runner position. Like almost like he was being gentle with him or something. It was very weird. Uh, Okada gets out and it's a very mad drop kick. Not Not... Not even close to his best dropkick, which people insist he's doing that on purpose, fine, but it just was not a good dropkick. Whether if if Okada is doing a like poor dropkicks because his back legitimately hurts or something, or if he's doing this on purpose because he's worker of the fucking decade and whatever people want to say, the end result is the same thing. It's still a pretty mad dropkick, so I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. Uh, Gato runs in right in front of Red Shoes, <laughs> apparently just trying to get Jay disqualified. I don't, I don't know what else he was trying to do. Uh, but Okada just drop kicks him in the turnbuckle anyway. Um, Okada then locks in the Cobra Clutch on White again. Jay goes to his eye at first to break it, but Okada hits the Roaring Lariat and then locks it in a third time. Uh, the crowd starts clapping. I couldn't tell if they were clapping for Okada to get the submission or trying to rally Jay to escape. But uh, that's the, the problem with the clapping, I guess. Uh, Jay gets out of it with a low blow after Gale distracts Red Shoes. He goes for the Blade Runner again. Okada counters the Cobra, Cobra Clutch again. Jay, this is especially where he just like, he fucking shrugs that Cobra Clutch off like it's nothing, hits yeah. the half Nelson suplex, and then a pretty weak looking Blade Runner, like the worst I can remember. I can remember him hitting him forever. And that gets the pin. Uh, certainly definitive. <laughs> you have to say that. Um, okay. So, first of all, I don't need to be screamed out about the Okada storyline again. I get the Okada storyline. This was just not yet another, not all that great match. Uh, it's with a Jay White who was on a roll before this one. I gave, you know, I went four and a quarter, uh, on his first match with Shingo and I think four and a half on the match with, uh, uh, let me look it up actually. Yeah. Four and a half on the match with Abushi. So he had two amazing matches before this and, you know, I'm not going to blame him. Uh, but the Gato spots were the most obnoxious they've been in any of his three matches so far, I thought. Um, I don't know, it just felt very egregious with Okada chasing this guy around like he's the fucking wildy e. Coyote and the Roadrunner. It was just really, it got really absurd after a while. Um, you know, I get that Okada's supposed to look like a dork with the stupid Cobra Clutch thing that isn't working. Uh, but, you know, it just doesn't make for entertaining matches. I mean, that's what I'm here to do is rate these matches, right? And it's like, people people complained. I, people accuse each other of hypocrisy on this evil thing versus this because, like, the people who like the evil stuff. Will say like you know it wasn't enough to tell people back then that evil was telling a story, which is true. Uh, but really, this is one of those things where I guess both sides are being a little hypocritical, probably. But I honestly just enjoyed those both of those evil Naito matches, especially the evil Horomo match too, a lot more than any of these Okada G1 matches so far. So you know, it's not even like just telling a story is good versus telling a story is now bad. Those matches were better. I don't, and that's just that's just my opinion. Uh, I went three and a quarter on this. It was not, not like it was bad or anything. It just never clicked with me on any kind of main event level. Uh, you know, I was even feeling lower before it finally did get pretty good towards the end. But uh, I don't just I suck now, Okada, uh, as you could call it. Just it just is just is not interesting or fun. Um, and I and I really again I, I say this every week now. I hope to God this is not leading to him just uh, being like like if the payoff to this is Okada being like. But Rainmaker, that's a good move. And then winning the rest of the G1 matches, that's going to be a terrible story. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, and it really seems like that's where we're going because in this match, the Cobra Clutch thing, the first time he did it, I thought, I, mean, I, I must have read it entirely wrong. Uh, but the first time he did it, I was like, okay, this kicks ass. He's figured out the Cobra Clutch and he's mad. Uh, I was off by a mile <laughs> uh, <laughs> way missed miss shot that one I shouldn't even be saying this on a podcast <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, it as it goes on as it goes in like the second and third Cobra Clutch He had like a bet with a friend, and is being stubborn or something. He's like, "No, I'm telling you, the Cobra Clutch is cool. I can make it work." I just
1: don't see any any fucking storyline reason for why he would do this. They've never had him adequately explain why he would do this. They've never explained why he's being so stubborn. Like, like if he lost, it would have been it would have been better if he lost a fucking match to somebody before when this all started, uh, where he wasn't allowed to use a rainmaker anymore for a year or something. Then the yep. story would make sense. As it is now, the story is just Okada giving himself a handicap for no fucking
0: reason.
2: Yeah, and it's like, if you can put someone in a Cobra Clutch three times, you could probably find an opening for a for a Rainmaker somewhere in there and win a match. Uh, and honestly, when this match started, I was praying that this would be the match where Okada just figures it out and starts winning, so I wouldn't have to talk about the Okada storyline <laughs> where he sucks now. But uh, I don't know, like... When this match began, I actually thought they were doing everything right because the two matches that preceded it were such like insane sprints that you couldn't like you couldn't attempt to compete with those as that sort of match. So I thought like Jay working the back slowly uh, was great for when he's just elbowing the back over and over. I thought that was a great approach. Anytime Jay slows down, I think he's gotten really good at it. And Okada, I don't like when he I love Okada's selling, but I don't love when Okada sells a limb. Does that make sense? Yeah. like okada's really good at making me feel like this match is grueling but he's not really good at making me feel like his back hurts <laughs> like, like okada does the like the the touch of limb and go ouchy thing that bugs me a lot where if you just like if you just grimace when you go for the the air raid crash neck breaker i get it i know what's happening you got a bandage on it and you got elbowed in it a thousand times um stuff like that but i thought the pace was smart um I loved uh, Gato yelling for the Raymaker. That, that was
1: that. Hilarious. That was a great spot. I, I I honestly think Jay White should have hit the Raymaker. I think that would have been the story. He doesn't have to get the pin with it. Okada can kick out, but I honestly think the story would have been way better if Jay had done the Raymaker successfully to Okada, and then you know Okada kicked out, and then Jay beats him. I just think that would yeah. have been like it really would have driven it home. So I'm just I playing. totally
2: agree with that, and but I also think. Yeah, yeah. Okada kicking out of it would have been the right thing. Because I thought at the end, like you said, the third Cobra Clutch, Jay just shrugs it off.
1: Yeah, Jay just like, "Fucked, I'm tired of this move, buddy. And just gets out of it like it's nothing. And it it's just like, gets out of it like
2: a sleeper suplex. Like,
1: just yeah. like that. I mean, I get that the move is supposed to suck, but it's like, at this point, Okada looks like a fucking dipshit for not understanding that the move sucks. It's like, I, he's got Taichi next, and Taichi's 3-0. I assume he's going to beat Taichi. He better beat Taichi by remembering that the Rainmaker's a good move, he better not beat Taichi with that fucking Cobra Clutch. I'll be actually kind of pissed if he beats Taichi with that fucking Cobra Clutch.
2: Yeah, they've buried the Cobra Clutch so much that...
1: Like, it shouldn't beat anybody except usual... Like, it should not beat one half of the tag team champions who just beat Minoru Suzuki. Like, it should not beat him. So, it just... Yeah,
2: but I'm worried because he's got to win, He's got to win. He's already lost three.
1: Yeah, he's already lost twice, and uh you know typets three now so he's gonna have to win that oh, match, but right he
2: beat uh, he beat Ujuro, Ujuro, yeah. that's right
1: you he beat the only man this entire tournament that I would feel comfortable tap- tapping out to that fucking move at this he point if a, if, I if, I Yoshi love ha- if
2: taking the Cobra clutch, I love it so much. <laughs> if Yoshi was in, in the a block
1: if Yoshi was in the a block, I'd say Yoshi Hashi is now too good to lose that fucking cobra clutch that's the point oh, yeah. lose with this
2: as of as of show four Yoshi <laughs> is way too good for the cobra clutch, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I went. Um, I, but I did again. Like I, I, I like this match more than I'm probably making it sound. Like it's just more fun to talk about the Cobra Clutch. Stuff. Well, what did you give it? Um, I gave it three and a half. But honestly, like I spent a lot of this match veering higher. It's just as it went on, I was like, the third Cobra Clutch. I was like, I get it. I get it. The move <laughs> sucks, you know. Yeah. And like the ramp, the ramp DDT was was awful. And not hitting Gato. All the Gato stuff was a little. A little much and like gato just getting in the ring like that so i always like i always try to explain like i don't dislike the evil matches because i don't like interference i love interference (laughs) i love big dumb like i love dumb american wrestling matches with interference i like new japan uh, matches with interference i just don't like how often you know there's just interference, like right there, standing in the ring. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, the one in front of Red Shoes was so fucking stupid. It's like, what was Gato trying to do, other than almost get disqualified?
2: Yeah, yeah, that just kind of bugged me. It was enough at that point, but very rarely, like Gato hasn't really bugged me at all in this tournament. Other I agree. Than maybe that.
1: This is the first match where it bugged me out of the three.
2: Yeah, so. like I, I was veering in four territory, but then just by the time it ended, I just didn't feel. Yeah, I a lot of my good, some of my goodwill had been sapped out, but I did think it was a good match. That like. A couple things different. I still would have dug it a lot.
1: Uh, so there you go. That's the end of the show. Like I said, you know, two four-star matches, four and a four and a quarter. So obviously it was a really good show. Uh, I just don't – I liked Night 4 better. That's my take. I had a four and a half and a four. Uh, I, I liked Sonata Godo as like a three and three-quarter star match more than, you know, the third best match on this show. Um, and you know, just I dug that show a lot more. So that's my people are gonna think I'm trolling with that take, probably. But that's my honest take. That I like. Nah, you better. know,
2: I didn't like Naito Zack as much as you did. Um,
1: I love that. I love that match. There were other people like, who went like four and a half on it too. So I know. JoJo... Yeah, no, no, and I,
2: I get it. I, I think, I think I was three and three quarters. I might have been three and a half. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I, you know, I, I love both guys. Uh, but uh, the Yoshihashi evil match. That was and, awesome. Uh, and uh, what's it? The other,
1: uh, Sonata Goto. It might have been Sonata
2: There was something else I liked a lot on it.
1: Tanahashiano, I, I
2: don't know. No, it wasn't well, what's It had
1: to be Sonata Goto because you. I don't think you liked. Did you like Juice Kenta? Because I didn't think that was that great.
2: Juice Kenta. No, okay. I guess I must be. Good. Good Sonata Godo was really good. Yeah, that's
1: what I went on too. That was a really good match. So
2: that yeah, was a really good show. I just didn't like the main event as much
1: as you did. Yeah, the main event was I thought the main event was incredible. Okay. So the A-block standings after three events for them. Uh Taichi and Jay White tie for first, both with six points. Uh, right below them, tie for third. You have Kodo Ibushi, Will Ospreay, Ebonor Suzuki, all with four points. Uh, below them, you have Jeff Cobb, Okada and Shingo all tied with two points, and bringing up the rear, Ishii and Yujiro, both with zero points. So uh, Ishii will probably start getting some wins. Yujiro will probably not. Uh, So we got five nights in here. I have a top ten matches already because there's been a lot of stuff in this tournament I have really liked, Uh, and I know you you made a top ten day before we started, so we'll go through the match-by-match here. Tenth place, I have Taichi versus Jeff Cobb from night one uh i went three and three quarters it's my favorite of the three and three quarter star matches so far
2: uh 10th i've got okada abushi that i actually went three and three quarters on
1: uh ninth place i have osprey versus shingo from this uh show we just talked about uh i went four stars on it
2: uh ninth i've got naito zsj at three and three quarters
1: eighth place i have yoshihashi versus evil uh from night four also four stars
2: uh, eighth place. I'm the only person in the world who has uh, Shingo and Jeff Kahab at
0: four stars. <laughs> yeah, seriously.
1: <laughs> uh, seventh place. I I might. I don't think I'm quite the only person in the world that's a four, but I'm definitely tied with other people as the high person. Uh, I have Tai Chi versus Suzuki from Night Three at four stars.
2: At uh, seventh, right? I got I've got Jay and Shingo at four stars in seven. Uh,
1: sixth place: Ibushi versus Ishii from this show we talked about at four and a quarter
2: sixth i've got and again this is why i'm so glad we went for 10 and not five uh evil and yoshihashi (laughs) at four stars
1: fifth place for me i have jay white and shingo from night one at four and a quarter
2: uh fifth place i've got will and shingo from the show
1: fourth place i have suzuki versus ishii from night one also four and a quarter
2: fourth place i also have suzuki and ishii at uh four and a quarter
1: third place ibushi versus jay white from night three at four and a half
2: Third place, I've got Ibushi and Ishii from this show at four and a quarter.
1: Uh, second place, I have Naito and Zach from night four at four and a half.
2: Second place, I've got Jay and Ibushi at four and a quarter.
1: And then first place, Naito versus Tanahashi from night two, four and 3 quarter stars.
2: Same, Naito, Tanahashi, four and three-quarters.
1: There you go. All right, so the next show is back to the B block. Uh, this will be on the Omakase Patreon. So again, patreon.com slash Omakase. I will give my full review of the show. Uh, it's from Cork and Hall. a Like I said, a B-block show. Opens up with Yuya Uemura versus Gabriel Kidd. Uh, then we have Yoshihashi versus Sonata. Both still sitting at zero points. I would assume Sonata gets on the board there, but who knows, I guess. Uh, Zach Sabre Jr. versus Kenta. Both are at two points. Uh, Tanahashi versus Juice. Tanahashi, again, also at zero points. Juice sitting there with 2-0 and oh so far. So, again, I assume Tanahashi gets on the board, but who knows. Uh, the semi-main event, a weird choice here, Uh Toru Yano, who's 2-0 versus Evil at 1-1. One one. That's the uh, semi-main? That's the semi-main. Uh, I, I guess they're going to do some stuff there. Very interesting. I assume Evil's going to win that and end the Iano undefeated streak, but who knows. And the main event, I am probably among the most pumped people on Earth for this match. Tetsuya Naito, still 2-0 versus Goto at 1-1. One I love Naito Goto matches. Other than like, there was one year in the G One where they weirdly took the night off. They both took that night off, and you could tell. I think it was like 2018. But like last year, they were right back to being awesome. I was like probably higher on that match than anyone else on earth. I went like four and a half on it. That's it was funny. All... I
2: was just going to specifically say that I really like the 18 one. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't like I the 18. Love, one. I just but like all, of them. all <laughs> of them. The last last year, the the one it was also a cork, and I love that match. So I'm excited to tell for that. This one, they they have such great history. Like Goto was like one of naito's first big feuds after the lij turn uh they had like a tokyo dome match that's really underrated they had a great match in the new japan cup finals that year um, in 2016 and they just you know they've had they have a lot of history together i'm really i'm really excited for this one but uh overall i mean i I think it's a a really one of those cards that i think people are sleeping on because of like yano evil in the semi-main looks kind of stupid but like yoshihashi sonata the way both those guys have been so far I would be surprised if that was anything less than a good match. Zach and Kenta have like a like a low key banger last year in the G one, and like they had this weird like Noah history that Zach even brought up in their promos last time. Um, so you know it'll be interesting to see if they work in any different now that Kent is a heel and he was a babyface last year in the G one, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that again, and I think Tanahashi and Juice will have a really good match. So yeah,
2: the B block's full of guys that I. I'm never. I'm. I'm not really like. I'm never excited about a juice match, and you know, I'm usually pleasantly surprised. The B block in general has just been punching above where it looks like it's going to, and it's funny because sometimes I look at these A block shows and I go, "Oh, that was kind of a letdown," and then I look and I gave like three, three matches, four stars. Yeah, uh, but I just expect so much out of the A, and the B's just been a pleasant surprise every time.
1: Yeah, the B's been a lot of fun. I think. I think it's been better than the A block so far, but I get that's a hot take to people. But yeah, there's the G1 climax. Like I said, we'll be continuing this week on the Patreon. Uh, Next week on the free show, we'll have another review as well, but both the Corkins will be on the Patreon this week, so Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Moving over now to the Champion Carnival. Oh, boy. (laughs) Night 5 from Kanagawa on September 26th. I don't even know where to start with this show. This show fucking sucked. Just like this tournament has fucking sucked. You know what the worst
2: part is? Right before this show started, I was hit with the realization that the Noah show like definitely was not airing. Yeah. And going right from realizing like the N1's been the thing. Like The G1's been objectively better, I guess, but the, the N1's a, been M1 the is, thing. I think.
1: Yeah, the N1 has ruled.
2: Yeah, the N1's been awesome. <laughs> I mean, and I was so excited to talk about the N1, and right after I find out that that show isn't airing until the 29th, then I start watching this one.
1: Yeah. I mean we can That's briefly we can briefly touch on the M1 if you want. I mean it's just been a, a, a great fucking tournament from start to I finish. Loved it. And it's, it's made and it's made the Champion Carnival look even more like clown like because it's running at the same time. I mean look, the Champion Carnival in past years has been really good. I've liked it a yeah. lot. I don't think it's been as good as the G one each year, but it's the, the gap has been like a little closer. This year the gap is like fucking enormous uh, like like the the, the G ones in the heavens and the Champion Carnival is you know in the core of the Earth, but then the problem is the N one has also been fucking great. So it's like you know everybody understands that the All Japan and New Japan are not close to the same level at this point. But like to get clowned by Noah to this degree, I yeah. like Noah, but like they were they were in a little bit of a, a rough spot in during the COVID stuff. You know, like they were. They were definitely a little boring, and, like, they definitely had some shows that didn't connect with me, uh, especially in the later part of the COVID. But, like, you know, NOAA and All Japan, what, whether you like either promotion or not, more or not, in, in the past few years, I think most people would agree they're much closer in level than New Japan and All Japan. And I think a lot of people would have put All Japan above NOAA before, you know, before these two tournaments. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I is. would agree, because I liked a lot of Noah, especially, like, early this year. And last year, I thought Noah was really good. But, like, I think a lot of people would put Elder Japan way above Noah. Now, at this point, I don't think the two tournaments could even compare. I think the N1 is a little bit... They're not quite in the heavens of New Japan, not that far below. And like I said, the Champion Carnival is down in the Earth's fucking core. So...
2: Yeah. Well, also, like, la- you know, the last two years, the Champion Carnival's been, like, unbelievable. And last year, the N1... Like they didn't even air a bunch of the shows. I watched a bunch of it clips. Yeah, that that, uh, that
1: definitely hurt the M one in the global league in previous years.
2: But you know the other thing is if you look at what the original lineup was for the Champion Carnival, the Champion Carnival could have maybe been awesome if everything didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing too is, like you said, during the during the no crowd, you know, portion of the year, uh, Noah kind of sucked. Uh, for, like a few, for, for a few
1: for for a few months it did yeah i mean i loved yeah. go, i loved go and uh, ironhead but uh yeah
2: that was that was a match and i love <laughs> i love that match i watched it it's, I, I don't know i watched it live which was such an experience i, I did think.
1: watch it live too i watched it live while i was recovering from covid-19 oh that was during <laughs> that, that was that was wa- that was like one of the only memories i have of that week now because That's i was like do. i was so delirious and like fucking sick, and throwing my guts out, you know, throwing my guts up, and just felt, like, fucking terrible every day. And, like, one of the first nights where I started feeling even a little bit better was the night when the... that, that, uh, you know, Fujita and Goshi Ozaki match aired, and... I, it was just incredible I mean like I loved that fucking 30 minute stare down I thought it was incredible did you think
2: it was really happening or did you think you were having I don't know it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's, it's a it's very
1: <laughs> it felt like it did feel like a fever dream just living through and like and then once they actually started wrestling it was incredible but yeah I mean you could maybe go Shiozaki and Fujita healed me I don't know but yeah, just like, after that, though, did the, the COVID era, Noah did take a turn down. But look, yeah. I, think, I think Noah's been awesome. I mean, I'm not, other than that COVID era period, I do think the last, like, year and a half or whatever has been really awesome. But like, Yeah,
2: everything Noah did with the crowds this year has been great.
1: Yeah. So, and then they but come right...
2: All Japan with no crowd was really good. And if you told me that I'd be the most hype on All Japan when they didn't have a crowd, and I'd be sick of All Japan when the <laughs> Champions Carnival happens...
1: It is really I, weird.
2: Yeah, it's wild.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So like the, the, but yeah, the Champion Carnival. You know, we'll be wrapping it up here basically because we this is the final block night, and this has been a shitty tournament. It's been a fucking uh, a terrible tournament. There's been one out of five shows. I'd say one of them was good. The or, night, yeah, night four from Korakin was a really good show. I had three four star matches, but like you know, that's where the tournament peaks for me. Is uh, I think four flat. I don't think I even went four and a quarter or anything. Let me just double check that. Yeah. So I had three four star flat matches on that show. One wow, of them was one well, one of them was not even a tournament match. One of them was Iramoto and Hidaka for the junior title. Which oh really yeah, liked. that match
2: rule. That was four star And then so. I went
1: I went four on Zeus and Sawama and I went four on Kento and Yuma. And like that's that's the peak of this tournament for me. So it's like I, just for that tournament for this tournament to peak at that level is just amazing. I mean, like the Champion Carnival always produced like high, high, high end stuff in past years and just didn't produce anything in this tournament uh and and it's not even just like you know okay whatever you can say oh the star ratings who cares the booking has also been hideous like horrible i mean we'll talk about we'll talk about a few finishes on this show that were like awful like the finishes have been awful the booking has been awful uh the final is a terrible final between two guys who've both done everything in this company. Who could possibly care about either of them winning? Who wants to see Zeus and Kento for the 10 trillionth time? It's just... They went with the, the most boring final possible with two guys who were played out at the main events. Uh, especially Zeus. Yeah. And, like, it, Zeus' is stupid fucking face lock looks like shit and he's winning every match oh, with it.
2: Zeus's face lock. When I was trying to make a list, I was like, No, there's gotta be a Zeus match in here somewhere. I know you like you had you had one, but Yeah,
1: Zeus and someone I- for me.
2: Right, but I, I wasn't even into that match. And I was, I, I, I opened grapple to just look at every Zeus match. And I was like, no, I thought all these sucked. And I love Zeus. I think it's Zeus just, rules.
1: It's just, I love <laughs> Zeus too, normally too, but I hate that face lock. And, and like the the MVP of the tournament for, by a mile for me ended up being Suwama, which is funny because like he he was a total non factor in the tournament, even though he's champion. And like, I, 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 I just don't know. Like, this this was a terrible tournament. Shotaro actually looked like the biggest dork who ever lived in this tournament. And somehow had the worst tournament of anyone in the, in the like, from a star rating perspective of anybody for me. which You I couldn't, went lowest on, on Ashino? Yeah. I couldn't believe it either oh, when wow. I calculated it. But it makes sense because I hated the Kento match, like, with, the, with a fire of a million suns. I hated Oh, you went Sh- real low well on the Kento match, yeah, right? Yeah, that dragged it way down. I went one and a quarter. Okay. And I hated the Shuji match. I only went two stars on it. Uh, his peak star rating for me was Yuma at two and a half. So I don't really blame Ashino. I thought Ashino looked fine. He just got booked like shit. And treated like shit and got put in these terrible matches. So, yeah, I don't know.
2: That's the thing. I, I, I've said this before, too. Like, the the, the booking... I, I assumed this was going to be booked stupid. But I also assumed everyone was going to try. I pretty much... I wasn't in this for the results. I just wanted to watch cool wrestling matches. And yeah. I got I got neither.
1: The the big dog, Shuji Shikawa, is the worst booker in Japan. I don't even think it's close at this point. Uh, and it it, it it brings me no pleasure to say that. Because I love Shuji as a wrestler. Especially... Yeah. Before his downturn, and I thought, you know, being a guy who's worked all over, uh, he would, uh, you know, you know, he would bring more to the table. But um, and I'm going to I'm going to shout out somebody who some people will not like me shouting out, but small doink. And I was dead. The, user, <laughs> the user small doink. He said that Shuji's booking is like uh, he took the Big Japan hat and put the DDT like tickets in it, and just like mixed up the hat. It, it is like that. It is. I have to give him credit for that for the analogy because it's like it's the worst elements of the absolute randomness of all of Big Japan booking and like the worst tendencies of DDT booking uh, together. That that's his booking, and it's 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 shit. It's terrible. I mean, it's just really horrible. That the thing that has the most life to it on his entire card. On these cards is, you know, Enfons, and they they're buried in undercard tags every night. Oh, Ashino looks like an idiot. The only guy who looks like a badass is Koji Doi, and he's not even in the
0: fucking tournament.
2: Oh yeah, Doi did look awesome in that tag though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and the, the other thing too is, like, was it? Like, I, yeah, maybe it's, it's Suji, but like, who who made the decision? Like, there's a there's a distinct change in in match style happening here, right? Like. I they mean, they
1: like just—they a- seem like just—they just don't want to go all out this year, which I get—I get that to a degree. It's a stupid little tournament during the COVID era, but I honestly and truly believe that they would have been better off canceling the fucking Champion Carnival than running this yeah. tournament because yeah, it just makes it. The, it makes the, the tournament look bad. It makes the promotion look horrible when they're up against New Japan and Noah are both running awesome tournaments at the same time. I mean this is this is the lowest i've been on all Japan in probably close to a decade i just don't see any interest in them i'm i'm take, like after the end of this tournament i'm just like i cannot possibly have less desire to watch the real world tag league you know when that's coming up oh, and it's just like hell hell no I am, and that's usually a good tournament but like yeah. i am i am skipping that tournament this year i think I, especially cuz it's going to be at the same time as the do from DDT and possibly the uh the new japan uh, best of Super Junior slash World Tag League that's rumored. So um, I don't know. I'm just I'm taking a hard pass on that Real World Tag League. I'm giving oh, All Japan perfect. a break,
2: especially after watching these three tournaments all at the same time. You couldn't pay me to watch the Real World Tag League.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm giving, I'm giving not- All Japan a break after this because they just this is like they they need something. They they need a shake up. Uh, we need some new blood in here and just try something else. Like I know people hate Jake Lee, but Jake Lee like getting a chance on top would have been a million times better than another zeus kento final so that's
2: the thing i was even bummed about i thought jake lee was gonna like well i thought he was gonna be in the final and win it but i thought jake lee was gonna like bring it and there's only i don't know i was into like two jake lee matches but he's like the same as everyone else like no one really yeah i thought he's
1: been i thought he's been like he's actually like tied for my second favorite wrestler in the tournament with like a 3.06 3.06 average star rank, so it's not saying yeah, much. But uh like that for me, too. But, uh, but, like, you know, he tried at some points, but, like, yeah, he definitely fell into the same malaise that everybody else had. All right, so let's get into the actual card. Uh, first of all, the dark match, I guess, was an actual dark match because they didn't air on All Japan TV. Uh, Ryuki Honda versus Dan Tamura. So the opener was uh, the a tag match with Koji Iremoto and Tajiri beating Takao Omori and Blackman Soray in 624. Um... So, like, I, the other thing about All Japan is there's a lot more comedy now. The problem, which I assume is also Shuji, the problem is All Japan's comedy is not remotely funny. And this was, like, this was another example. Like, the Mensa Ray Tijiri stuff was really not funny at all. Uh, and the Iwamoto pinned Mensa Ray. It felt like about 30 minutes, but, you know, apparently it apparently was six. Uh, you know, I went one and a half stars. Pretty bad.
2: Well, that's great news, because I missed it. Uh <laughs> <and I laughs> did anything. It I have the air. I turned on the show after. No, after it turned. The, it turns on, like air. it.
1: It started <laughs> right like it was the first thing. Like then coming out to the ring. Uh, wow. Match number two: the Enfants guys, Hokuto Omori, Yusuke Kodama, and Koji Doi, defeating. Uh, so a guy named Masuki Mitomi who works for that that new promotion in Tokyo. Like I can't. I should have worked on the name of it. It's like PPP or something. I think. Mm. Uh, I've I never seen. I, they've had like three shows so far. So it's like. You really not that big a deal. If you have never heard of it, uh, they seem to be like another scummy indie. Uh, I'm going to look up the name because it bothers me. Yeah, it so is PPP. There you go. Uh, they had their last there September eighth. Uh, well, Shuji Ishikawa worked it in a tag match? It was a uh, Ken Oka and Shuji Ishikawa beating Kai and Mitomi? So I guess it's not. I guess that's the connection. But yeah, I mean, he he didn't tag in this match. I think ever. So it doesn't. He might as well not even been there. Uh, Yusuke Okada who took the pen to of the Lariat. And X, uh, the mysterious X, the newest member of the Yoshitatsu Kingdom, what a stable this is, was Rambo Kawamura. Um, that is the former head of Pancrase, Ryu Kawamura, except dressed up like he's Rambo.
2: Right, um, like, He's done like a Rocky thing. He's done
1: Rocky too, yep. He's done that okay. DD, he's in DET a bunch of times, and I, I, I assume that's also the connection with Shiji again. Um, so he just came in, he no-sold all the shots from Kodama, he immediately tagged out. He did not do anything else in this entire match. I don't know what the point of having him there was. What? I don't really know why <laughs> it was supposed to be funny, other than the fact that he had a funny wig. I mean, this is like, watching this in the opener, it was like, this must be what like DDT comedy feels like to the people who hate it. Because I thought this was fucking stupid, and I didn't get why it was even supposed to be funny. So I, I just, you know, I don't I don't really understand it at all. Um the only thing that was fun in this match was the M. guys guy stomping out Okada together. They're such a cool heel unit. Shame, like I said, they got nothing to do. And then Doi pinned Okada with his usual awesome lariat, which Okada took this ridiculous bump for right on his damn neck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I went two and a half, really only for the lariat and them stomping him out. Which That part was kind of fun. I just have no idea what the point of Rambo was, why this Matomi guy was even brought in to not even get in the ring, as far as I could tell. Just very perplexing match
2: yeah all i've got here is that doi looked awesome and i hope they dupe more with him after this is all wrapped up and that uh i noticed here i guess he's probably had it the whole tournament that uh hakuto amori grew a soul patch so that we know he's a bad guy (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but i hadn't noticed that prior uh i gave it you know i guess two two stars because of doi i didn't you know i didn't i was barely present for this I, i was watching but there was nothing to absorb here
1: uh, match number three, which I can confirm this was the finish because they even wrote it down on the All Japan site. Shotaro Ashino defeats Yoshitatsu in a B-block match with by referee stoppage with an ankle lock. Okay. I don't know where to start this one. So Shotaro goes to two and two, four points. Yoshitatsu goes to one and three. Uh, one of his matches a forfeit. Um, mm-hmm. So Shotaro, th- technically the winner of this was going to stay alive because... Uh, in the very unlikely event of a double DQ or double countout in the main event uh, with Kento and Shuji, that would have forced a four-way tie with the winner of this match in Yuma. But basically, for all intents and purposes, uh, Shotaro was done, which sucks. Because it's like, why why even bother bringing him in then? What's the point? Um, we got this like big shoulder-block exchange toward the start, which uh, Yoshitatsu wins, despite the fact that he's still got the DDP circa 1998 like giant tape around his entire midsection um they brawl on the outside for a little while they go back and forth in the ring nothing really all exciting or interesting uh yoshitatsu's middle kicks and like a swinging he come back was pretty good uh ashino did got really got little to stand out here which is the story of his entire tournament honestly uh ashino finally gets the rolling germans which felt like the first notable piece of offense form in the match and then we get the finish <laughs> so so Joe, Joe Lanza on his uh, Flagship Patreon thing, he admitted he missed this I guess, because if you look away for a second You'll miss what actually happened at the end here um, It was that quick And, you know, I'm not trying So I'm not trying to call him out here, I just wanted to mention it Because, you know, he if people heard that that Patreon audio already uh, What I say might sound a little confusing But this is what actually, this is what happened And the, the All Japan website confirms it was a referee stoppage It says that on the website um, So Ashino... Uh, he gets he puts Yoshitatsu in the high Boston Crab. That makes sense, because he's worked over Yoshi's back, and Yoshi ha- is all taped up. He has his back injury, whether that's work or shoot, throughout the entire tournament. That makes sense. Yoshi struggles for a long time. He's finally able to crawl through the ropes, just as we get the 10-minute call. The referee, though, he, for some reason, does not actually force Ashino to let go of the hole completely. The referee doesn't start counting to five. He doesn't tell him to let go or anything. He just kind of looks at him. Ashino, without letting go of Yoshi at any point, switches to an ankle lock, which I know is is a mission finisher, and the referee immediately stops the match. What the fuck?
2: (laughs) What? So not only is that ridiculous, but it was not clear at all. I think I felt the same way Joe did. I thought what happened, I didn't understand why the ref didn't separate them, but... I thought that he wrenched in... A, I thought he was wrenching in a single leg... Like, no, no, no. Grab.
0: He switches to the ankle
1: lock. You can see him grab the ankle. Like, it is is two It is literally like a millisecond. So I don't blame either one of you for missing it, to be clear. But he switches to an ankle lock for like a millisecond. And the referee's like, stop the match! I'm like...
2: The ankle's <laughs> the only part of Yoshitatsu's body that's not injured.
1: Okay. So the referee, who should have been... Fucking telling him to let go of the hold. It's a rope break, sir. You have to let go. Instead, the referee sees this man switch to a m- incredibly less painful hold for this injury and immediately decides to stop the match. That is one of the dumbest finishes I have ever seen in a professional wrestling match, especially a Japanese wrestling match.
2: I wish I never heard this, because the only thing I liked about the match was that he won by, like, wrenching what I thought was a single leg crab, a high-angle single crab, and I thought Yoshitatsu, like, screamed and tapped. Uh, but it <laughs> ends up, the only thing I like about the match, I practically imagined. So, so <laughs> Yoshi,
1: so yes, yeah, so he switches to an ankle lock. You know, instead of working over his back more, he switches to an ankle lock, and the referee stops it. I've seen these All Japan referees not actually make the guy... Let go of the hold on these rope breaks. And it's annoyed me before. But, like, to actually have it be a finish, a finish this fucking stupid, what the fuck is going on with the finishes in this fucking promotion? I just don't understand it anymore. What is going on here? Why would you switch to an ankle lock when you've worked over the guy's back for the entire match and then have the match immediately stopped when the guy should have been fucking forced to let go of the hold? It just doesn't make any sense on any fucking level. This was WWE.
0: This you know, is something funny. I would
1: expect on <laughs> um, fucking Friday night SmackDown here in the middle of all Japan.
2: I think me and the ref felt the same way. I think <laughs> I think I think the ref and I were both just like fuck it, let's get out of here. Uh,
1: so <laughs> just ring that bow. let's go. <laughs> I went two and a quarter stars. Uh I was gonna go two and three quarters before that, and this incredibly terrible finish takes it down a half star for me. So uh, I don't Oh go ahead i was just gonna say an awful carnival for Ashino, who was booked like crap and somehow had awful finishes in seemingly all of his matches. Uh, just, just I, I don't even know what to say anymore. What is wrong with this promotion?
2: Well, it, what's interesting here is I'm way higher on Ashino than than you are, which is crazy. Because I love I'm, Ashino, really, usually.
1: No, I no, love I mean, the guy I mean on
2: the tournament. On the tournament, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, which is crazy because I didn't particularly love any of his matches, and I still went way higher. Than, uh, than you seem to. And I even on this match, I don't know what to give it anymore because the only thing I was scoring it on <laughs> didn't happen. Uh, yes. So, I don't know. I, I
1: mean, it like- I, I honestly, because I, I heard Joe's audio. and Well, actually, no. Joe said, even before I listened to it, that he had got that wrong or something when I explained the finish in the slack. And, like, again, this is not a Joe Lanza call-out because the spot was... A quarter of a second. I rewound it to make sure because I thought I thought that's what happened the first time. So I rewound it like three times to make sure because I'm like, what is? Why did he switch to an ankle lock? And why did the ref immediately stop it? We can't have yoshitatsu tap out. We have to protect the fucking Hawaii Intercontinental fucking champion, or whatever yeah, the hell he is. Where
2: everyone's tapping out every night. <laughs>
1: It's just so every
2: match is a rando submission.
1: <laughs> and Yoshitatsu can't tap out to Ashino? Like I, I this, this is just so fucking stupid. And I you know, I should, probably should move on at this point, but like I yeah, so I switched I, I rewound it like 3 times to make sure and the All Japan website does say uh if you do the English if you translate to English, even machine translation gets it. It says 10 minutes 13 seconds uh, you know, referee stop or or just referee stop and then parentheses ankle lock so like the website recorded that as the finish i mean that was the finish so uh really bad
2: (laughs) maybe maybe i'm just like a two and a quarter two two and a quarter then yeah i I completely misunderstood
1: uh it wasn't just you it was joe too and it's like i get it because that's that's kind of what it looks like at first but like if you rewind it it's it's very you know it's this quarter this quarter second thing i'm rewinding any of this it is just yeah it's incredibly bad uh, the next match uh, is the Kuma Arashi defeating uh, Ikemen Jiro. Uh, Jiro Ikemen Kurishio, I should say, in four thirty-seven with a flying body attack. So both that's his first one in the tournament, and Jiro goes to 1-3 as well. Um, this sucked. I mean, Arashi, like, attacked Jiro ringside during his entrance. That's kind of funny. I can't remember the last time that even happened. But this match was under five minutes, nothing special at all. Rashi pins him with that running body press. Uh, Ikabin sells this with possibly the worst acting I've ever seen from a human being, like trying to look surprised and horrified. But I, I you just have to go watch this. I can't even describe how bad it was. I, I usually love Jiro, but like when he has to like act or do serious things, it's really awful. And it was here too. Like I, I, I don't even know how to describe what he was doing with his face. It was like if people think Minoru Suzuki or somebody like that makes weird faces sometimes, they should see this Jiro face because. Yeah, I mean, uh, this tournament fucking sucks. One and three quarters. <laughs> one and three quarters. I'm feeling
2: real on this one too. I I don't know what it is about this match, but I I it was too short for me to call it like a good match. But just the fact that I you don't know they were doing they were doing a couple cool moves. They seemed to want to be there. <laughs> I liked it. Like uh, Jiro does like that head scissors. Like he springboards in and does the head scissors, and then does the dive to the outside. I thought that was cool. Kuma does like the big power bomb. Uh, and I like that Kuma was like stoked that he got his big win. I thought that was funny. Um, I mean, that said, I still only gave it like a two and three quarters, but, uh, it was a treat for five minutes. And the other thing, uh, the other big positive about this match is let's set Kuma free. Cause just before this, he was showing up in big Japan undercard tags for like these little run-ins with uh, Okabayashi. It, it
1: might be better at this point.
2: Oh, it's way, it's so good. He was crushing it with Okabayashi, and then he went in his snoozer tournament uh, so that's been a bummer but yeah i like this match more than everyone else did and i didn't even really like it
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the fifth match uh the Ay- ayagi brothers yuma natsuki defeating francisco akira and rising hayato uh 826 uh Ay- 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 the younger ayagi pinning hayato with the moonsault press um so i don't think of yuma as a particularly big guy but he looked like the fucking Japanese Incredible Hulk in there with wrestling Akira. I guess Akira just has that effect on everybody. But I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, perfectly fine wrestling match here with some good action. Nothing stand out, but that makes it the match of the night by a mile at this point. Uh, totally, totally. And Aoyagi pins Hayato with a nice but also strangely slow moonsault. Uh, but that continues his momentum after being the becoming the number the junior number one contender at the last Korakin. Uh, three stars for me. I thought this was pretty good
2: yeah same deal. I mean, this was just like a nice breezy tag. I thought the whole closing stretch with hado and uh and uh Eiyagi was great. well, not great, but it was fun. It was the best wrestling in the show up to this point by a mile uh yeah, <laughs> and I like uh you know, I like Yuma, I like watching Yuma in general, i guess and in a situation where I'm not let down by what he's doing. so yeah, three stars, nice little match
1: uh afterward, Koji Dory attacks both guys tries to give Yuma his trademark lariat, but Yuma ducks and gives him a German instead. Uh, no idea where the rest of the Enfants were, uh, why they decided to let Doi try and jump both Aoyagi brothers on his own, but sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, at least that match could be good, I guess, whatever they do with Doi and Yuma.
2: I uh, think that could rule. Yeah. And another thing about that, I'm, I'm glad... I wasn't sure where they were, if they were going to continue the Yuma and Enfants thing, and I'm glad they are, especially if it's leading to a match with Doi. But also... I don't think I remembered Yuma's voice. I was shocked. He's got, like, a deep old man voice. He sounds like Mochizuki.
1: Yeah. I thought he had thought a he had weirdly like a voice. He has a weirdly deep <laughs> voice for being such a young guy. Yeah. Uh, the next match, Suwama, Hikaru Sato, and Dan Tamura defeating the Purple Haze team of uh, Shigehiro Irie, Utamaru, and uh, Izanagi in 1158. Suwama pinning Izanagi with a last ride. Um... So yeah, this was alright. I don't know Utamaro, uh, Utamaro like tripped trying to run and slide to the ring alongside his partners, which kind of sums up both the show and the Champion Carnival in general. <laughs> I mean, just like tripping and falling. Yeah. Uh, match sloppy mess early on. Everyone just kind of pounds on each other. Uh, Utamaro like really lazily chokes Sato in the ropes. Just nothing even remotely interesting going on there. Uh, it does get it does get better after that, mainly when Irie is in there for his team. And then Suwama ends up kicking all three Purple Haze guys' asses without any trouble at all. Uh, you could argue he's making them look like, look like geeks, although really two out of three at least are geeks. So I guess it yeah, doesn't, I was gonna
2: say, doesn't really gonna matter. Like geeks, it's fine. <laughs>
1: uh, and then Suwama pins his Naga the last ride. I guess two and three quarters. It was pretty brutal early on, but got pretty good by the end. Still not exactly a star ratings bonanza on this show so far, but, you know, this was better than some of the other matches.
2: Yeah, there was a stretch in the middle with uh, Tamura and Irie that I thought was killer. It was really short, but I thought that was uh, I thought that was awesome. I loved watching those two together. But you know, I mean, how much am I going to get into uh, watching Suwama beat up Izanaki? You know, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was it was I I didn't have a bad two and three quarters. I mean, Suwama was – stars on it.
1: <laughs> Suama was, Suama was great for this tournament though. So and of course, yeah, I like Suwama and... a lot
2: in this tournament. Well, yeah. relatively speaking,
1: it compared to the rest of everybody else, yeah. Yep. Uh, the semi-made event, the A-block decider, Zeus defeating Jake Lee, and only 10-21. So Zeus goes 4-0, 8 points. That fucking face lock is unstoppable, apparently. And Jake goes to 3-1. and uh, The match was pretty dull and slow to start. Exactly what neither this match, or this show, nor this tournament needed. Uh, Jake, like, starts working over Zeus's arm. They did tell us that would happen beforehand, but this tournament needed another limb work match. Like, I needed a second asshole. uh zeus makes a fiery little comeback some hard chops but uh zeus gets him down on the mat and gets his signature arm lock uh or or, i mean jake gets him down on the mat and gets his signature arm lock uh zeus is able to make the ropes to break fairly quickly uh we get the 10 minute call zeus tries to get a shitty face lock on and then he does and then jake taps out uh, yeah. I, I, I don't have the same passion right now, but like I wrote my next notes like in all caps, so I guess I was very mad when this happened. But I was like, this was. tournament fucking sucks so bad. The deciding match for A block and it barely goes ten minutes. Jake loses like a fucking dork yet again. I hate this tournament. I mean those are that's what I wrote down. All <laughs> in all caps. I was very angry. Now it's like who cares? Uh I went two and a half. It was trending okay while it lasted, but this is nothing you need to see and it's it ended super abruptly. A lot of it was boring and uninteresting, and this was a block decider. And, like, what the fuck are we doing here?
2: Yeah, I, uh... So, you know, looking at the card when the other matches sucked, I was like, okay, well, everyone's just saving it for the last two matches. They're the only matches that matter anyway. And this match starts, and I'm, like, getting myself up. I'm like, Zeus is gonna try this time? Uh, and it looks like they're following the model of the Jake Suama match that I, I liked. Uh... Where Zeus is, like, overpowering him, but he's, you know, slowly able to work the arm. And Zeus is eventually selling the arm. And Jake's beginning to open him up for, like, those big kick, those big chest kicks, like the running knee and everything. And I'm starting to really get into it. And I'm like, hell yeah, these two are going for it. And then the way you uh, describe that ending is exactly (laughs) how, when you were like, and then I guess he goes for that shitty neck crank. And then he gets the shitty neck crank and he wins. Like that's how I felt when I was watching. I, it. Like, like when what? he locked
1: it in, I thought like, okay, Jake's gonna fight out of this. Yeah, and Jake's like tap tap tap. I'm just like, what the fuck? I'm just, I was like, so I was so fucking mad.
2: Exactly. I was like, why are they doing this to me? Why
1: <laughs> I watched
2: this whole thing. I was like, why did I, I watch?
1: in a month. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, why did I watch this tournament? Why I wa- Why am I watching this company? It was just like, I, just horrible. Just absolutely horrible.
2: And like this isn't even one of the worst matches. It's just the most like you're you're trying to offend. You're trying to upset me. I was like, all Japan. You're trying to upset me. There's yeah. no other reason you would do this.
1: That's how I felt too. <laughs> uh, the other the main event. The other block decider. Kento Miyahara defeats Suji Ishikawa. Where so he goes to three and one, and Suji ends at two and two. Um, it was twenty fifty six. Shut down German. I mean, look this this was good. I don't want to say this was bad. Um, at least it felt remotely worthy of being a block deciding match unlike the fucking last match it, it just was not a great match to me and you know we can talk about like like look it starts out fast Shuji goes right at Kento nice change of pace to see somebody look like they were trying um, he sends him packing with this big clothesline but then Kento uh, God forbid we go one Kento Miyahara match without him doing the 10 hour choking against the post while making stupid faces spot so Wada can break it up if we missed out on that one time even in a super important block deciding match in the Champion Carnival, uh, the world would end. I guess the the seas would rise even faster than they're currently rising, and you know uh, <laughs> the moon would fall from the sky because we had to have it. So once again, they did the spot. Uh, it's the
2: only thing putting people in that building, I guess, so. in water <laughs> It's Just it's the, the f- best feud in the company. The, the only feud in the company. <laughs> yeah, it right.
1: Feels like. I mean, it's like that and Koji and Yuma. I guess, um, just horrible. So, yeah, that, that's so fucking stupid. Uh, they elbow each other at the 10-minute call. Shuji throws this super weak lariat to Kento from inside the ring while Kento's on the apron. I don't know what was up with that. But thankfully, he did fire follow it up with a sick Fire Thunder driver to Kento on the apron. That looked really cool. That was awesome, uh, yeah. About time he got something awesome on this match and show. Uh, the match slowed down a little bit after that, but then Ken, you know, uh, Kento did uh, come back with some offense. And then Shuji gets a big Snapdragon suplex, And then the Giant Knee for a close two count. Uh, He follows up with the Fire Thunder Driver again. Kento kicks out 2.9. And then we go into Super Kento Territory. Uh, Shuji hits the Fire Thunder again. He follows up with the Splash Mountain. And somehow after all that, Kento kicks out yet again. I'm really tired of Shuji killing all of his own moves. Because, like, he used to win matches with these moves. And it's like he never beats anybody with any of them anymore. Um, Yeah.
2: And it wasn't even a big deal that Kento... Right, everyone. Everyone's kicked out of the Splash Mountain already. Ashino, yeah. who's been practically buried in this tournament, kicked out of the Splash Mountain.
1: Yeah, uh, Kento comes back, and then just Kento just kind of like just fucking hits the shutdown. German wins, and that's like it made the closing stretch feel really flat to me because it's like this is all of his matches now. He takes a million moves in a row, and he's like, okay, I'm t- I'm done, and just hits the shutdown. German, and that's it, and like no one, and of course, no one can ever kick out of that. Um, you know. It, it, I feel like three and a half is what I went on this. And I feel like that might even be high just because it's like at least I watched two people try and have Mm -hmm. a fucking match uh, that feels like it could remotely be in the champion carnival. So, you know, that's that's the result, the rating I ended up with. But like, you know, one of the best matches of the tournament, which is pretty sad. And it's not enough, even close to enough to save yet another dire champion carnival show. Uh, probably not the worst of the tournament, again, because this tournament has been so bad, but you're talking four out of five shows that I would actively tell you not to watch. The only show in this tournament that's worth watching is Night 4, Korokin. That is it.
2: I didn't hate 3 as much as you did. I 3 probably was, was all right. Three, I three. wouldn't call anyone to watch it, but yeah, I think that's the right. worst time. Yeah. 3 was
1: probably the second best, but, I mean, nights 1 and 2 were pretty bad. Nights, this This show was pretty bad. The show is pretty um, bad. Yeah, I, this show might be actually this show might have been my least favorite. I'm thinking. About well, the it.
2: thing is, like the expectations were there. It was the block yeah. finals. Like it should have been great. Because I see a lot and of can... other
1: people. I see a lot of other people say this isn't this isn't their least favorite. So maybe that's that's uh you know you know maybe that's influencing me. But I just yeah, this show was long, kind of for this, this tournament, and just filled with garbage on the undercard, like absolute garbage, and like the the other tournament matches all sucked.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, did I didn't find a lot of people actually like like um like really liked this main event. I found a lot of there were people that were going higher than us. Yeah, I
1: think, I think. what'd you On think about it?
2: You know, I walked away from it feeling the same way you did, like that they, they went main event style, like went big, so I gotta give it three and a half, but I didn't have like I had more fun watching like Jiro and Suwama than I did watching this match. So does that mean I like like maybe that match was better and I gave that match Three and a quarter, so that made me knock this down to three. and a quarter. I did give
1: Giro Suama three and a half as well, so and it's close for me. But yeah, yeah,
2: but you know, also like I was, I was doubly excited for this match because I liked Kento Yuma more than most people did too. Like I thought that was a great match. I thought that was the only great match in the tournament, and I thought Kento was like enough's enough. Like well, I'm that was
1: up. well, that was my that was my match of the tournament too. Oh yeah, yeah mine too. Four star. So uh, we'll, let me, we'll, let's get to our we'll get to our top five. I guess that's a good transition. But yeah, don't watch the show. <laughs> Don't. Maybe maybe watch the main event if you feel like you have twenty two minutes. Maybe you'll like it more than we did. I mean, three and a half is not a bad match, obviously. No,
2: I didn't think it was a bad match. Yeah. It just wasn't a Kento big match. Like I still think Kento. I'm not burnt down on Kento. I'm not. I know a lot of people oh, are. And I totally I'm, get. get it. I'm
1: pretty burnt down Kento now.
2: <laughs> I should Especially after too. this fucking
1: tournament. Especially after this fucking tournament. Like uh, every
2: Kento complaint, I'm totally blind to. When people get mad about the knees, I'm like, more knees. Feed me the knees. <laughs> But no, this match did not did not do it for me.
1: He has to retire that fucking post spot, like he has to do it before I lose my fucking mind.
2: I'll grant you that the post spot's a bit much. <laughs> uh,
1: so the final the standings: match. Block A, Zeus wins going four and zero with eight points, uh, with his shitty chin lock. Jake Lee three and one with six points, and you got three guys at one and three: Suwama, Kuma, and Jiro. Block B, Kento wins at three and one with six points. Then you have Shuji, Yuma, and Ashino all at two and two. And Yoshitatsu in, thir- in last place with one and three. Uh, my top five matches of tournament. Well, we can both do this, I guess. Yeah. Um, fifth place, I went with Suwama and Jiro from the A block on night two, which was three and a half stars.
2: You know, I actually, looking at my list now, I've got three matches here and I wrote choose one later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, I'm going to go with you and say Suwama Jiro. That match didn't get enough credit. That was a good match.
1: Uh, fourth place, I went with Kento and Shuji from this schmat, from this show on night five. I went three and a half.
2: Uh, fourth place, I went Yuma Suwama. Uh, at no, no, I went Yuma uh, Yuma uh, Aishino. Mm, uh, I went three and a half. I think I might have been the high guy in that one.
1: Yeah, I will give that two and a half. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> third place, third place, Jake Lee and Suwama from the A block, night three, uh, three and a half.
2: That's funny. I rewatched Lee Sawama today because I had it second and I didn't remember it that well. And rewatching it today knocked it down to third place for me, uh, also at three and a half.
1: Second place, Zeus and Sawama in the A block from night four, four stars. Uh, I almost don't want to tell you
2: this, but my second place is Ashino and Shuji. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also three and a half.
1: Uh, and my first place, Kento and Yuma from the B block on night four, four stars. Like I said, night four, the only good show.
2: <laughs> Kanto Yuma by a fucking mile, four and a four and a quarter. Loved it.
1: Uh, and then I also did like average star ratings for everybody, and they're I might as well just read them. They're pretty dire. Uh, the <laughs> A block, which was a lot better than the B block for me. Suwama, the MVP of the tournament, by a mile, at an average rating of three point five six. He just had, you know, he had the, he had one of the only two four star matches I had in the tournament, and then had three other matches I all liked at like three and a half or three and two three and a quarter. So. Uh, Second place was a tie between Zeus and Jake Lee, both at 3.06. Fourth place, Jiro at 2.94, and bringing up the rear in the A block, 2.63. The very dire B block, Kento Miyahara did have my average star rating at a whopping (laughs) 2.94. So pretty much dragged (laughs) way up by that Yuma match of four, dragged way down by Ashino, which I gave up one and a quarter. I hated that match. Um, Second place, Yuma at 2.75. Third place, Shuji at 2.67. Fourth place, Yoshitatsu at 2.42. And last place, Shotaro Ashino at a flat two stars. I did not enjoy his tournament. (laughs) Because the highest rated match I have of his is Yuma at two and a half. I went two and a quarter on the Yoshitatsu match. Two stars flat in the Shuji match. And yeah, one and a quarter at the Kento match. And I I don't blame Ashino. I thought he was... Like, he himself looked good at points in this tournament, but he was booked like a fucking moron, and like... I, I don't know. It's some of the worst finishes I've ever seen, which, uh, you know, like we talked about that Yoshitatsu one.
2: So. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, but aside from, I, I, I would go so far as to say I liked his first three matches. Like, I thought they were all. I even. I, I know. I think I have a pretty good. I could guess why you didn't like the match with Kento. I've got a couple pretty good guesses. Uh, but I, could, I still. Well,
1: I will say you could listen on Patreon.com/slash Wrestling where I. You know, into...
2: John, I, I became a Patreon subscriber this week. I
1: did notice that. So yes, <laughs> so yes, you can hear me break it all down on the Patreon. I think that was a Patreon show. I think Night Three was.
2: I think so. so. Yeah. I don't know if I heard that one, but yeah, I even like that one. Um, again, I could just be desperate for anything. Okay, <laughs> throwing three stars at anything <laughs> I didn't hate, it. but yeah, I was into his tournament, uh, or his tournament, not this the tournament.
1: Fucking. God-awful, terrible champion carnival. I said this on the Voice of Wrestling Discord yesterday. This may have been the worst, like, major league heavyweight tournament ever, ever watched, start to finish. I can't, like, in Japan, I mean, I, I really can't think of a worse one. I was trying that to think I've about actively it. followed,
2: nothing comes close. Yeah. Nothing. Um,
1: and I've watched a know. lot Maybe of tournaments. Like... But, like, this, this one was fucking horrible. Um, yeah. I, all, this is really tough. <laughs> like, all Japan's got to get some shit together. Like if you if you miss skip this entire tournament, congratulations, you made the correct decision. That's all I can say to wrap this up. Yeah, uh, I mean, you
2: jump back in on the Kento Zeus match and just not even know you missed a tournament. You yeah, just so, think you're running Kento Zeus again. So Why
1: that not? so that does bring up October fifth is the final. So far, we don't have a card for that. All we know is uh, it's Kento versus Zeus in the champion carnival final. Uh, that's from Corican, uh Monday, like I guess Monday, October fifth. Uh, that will be on the Patreon with a uh, guest, Paul Voe. She'll be on there with me, so he and I will be doing a, a Patreon exclusive full episode on that show, and also the G1 Night Nine uh, from Takamatsu, which is also that Monday. So if you want to hear me, you know, talk about the finals of the shitty tournament, uh, it's patreoncom <laughs> Uh The next thing we'll be doing, at all, will be also on the Patreon, like I said, the Noah N1 Victory Night Six. Uh, our next free episode next week will be. Another two show, uh, another two show episode. Um, it'll be covering the G1 Climax Night Eight from Nigata on Thursday, which we're pushing to the free episode just because the, the G1 has a, like a Thursday to Monday gap, and you know I want at least one G1 episode, a G1 show on the episode, and then also the Sunday, uh, October Fourth, which is airing live apparently, the Noah N1 Victory Night Seven from Korokan, which is the final block night, so. Uh, i'll have on skyler will be returning which is cool i always enjoy having him on uh definitely has a different perspective to some people so he, he will be my guest next week and we'll be talking g1 Night eight from Nigata, which is the knight sonata main event plus we'll be talking the n1 victory Night seven from korokan uh and like i said on patreon.com slash wrestling only five bucks if you want to hear all of our upcoming audio this week I uh, will be doing the N1 Victory Night 6 from Niigata on Monday, you know, as long as that goes up on Universe in Time. So, like, Monday night on a, September 28th, tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday is G1 Night 6 from Corican. Wednesday is G1 Night 7 from Corican, all Patreon-exclusive. So, definitely check that out. Okay, you got anything to plug here, John?
2: Um, let's see. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Alright. Um... Uh... I, uh, you know, I write stuff for Voices of Wrestling from time to time. You can find that uh, here and there. Um, a buddy of mine, uh, I, uh, I, I play guitar for a friend of mine, Maxwell Stern, who put out a record this week. If anyone wants to check out a cool, uh, cool little guitar pop record. Uh, and uh, I play in a band called Timeshares, if you go on Spotify and type that in. But, uh, you know don't Google it. You won't find us. <laughs> <laughs> I always say we may as well name the band porno. I, uh...
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's all I
2: got. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. Thanks. You're a great guest buddy. And I uh, had a great time. Definitely got have to have you back, but folks, thank you as for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Russell Omikase. Uh wrestling, of course, for not fit. In the meantime, we will see you next time